previously on AFTN. So what's been catching your drunken eyes this week, Steve? Steve? Steve, wake up. Hey, Steve. Oh, no, he's gone. He's absolutely pissed out of his head. He's fallen out of the boat, floating in Cultus Lake. Who's not on a boat? It's Steve Pander, and he's back with us. He's sobered up. He's dusted himself down. He's dried off his Y fronts, his little tiny budgie smugglers that he was in swimming around Celtic Lake with, and he's back for tonight's episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I am Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. For some reason, on the other side of the studio, it's a big big studio, I mean, let's be fair. And before we go any further, I mean, we've already had a couple of songs, but I feel it's time for another. Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview. We hate the scum from Cowd and Beef. We are his five top of the league. Say we are top of the league. Say we are top of the league. Yes, the Fifers going for promotion, unbeaten to start the season. Makes up a little bit for the Whitecaps' disappointing season. Does it for you, Steve? No, I'm okay. <laughs> well, he's a Man U fan. <laughs> They're having a mixed start to the season. Haven't seen how Bayern's doing. I imagine just smashing <clears> it. <throat> Let's not talk about it. Oh. Mixed start to the season. Oh, well. okay. I don't know what Manu's doing at all, actually. Could look it up and let you know later. Well, it looks like East Fife are carrying carrying the thing. I, I, don't worry, at least you're not sporting Kansas City. <laughs> Seven ups, anyone? Just have a little drink. In the oh, studio. did you tweet that? I didn't check that. I didn't, actually. Uh-huh. I just remembered it just now. But, yeah, the Whitecaps, amazingly, won a game. And not only that, it's official. The 2019 Whitecaps are not 
as bad as the 2011 Whitecaps, or at least in terms of points gained, two more, and when secured, one more, than the very first ever Vancouver Whitecaps side. Ever. <laughs> ever. I'm taking the English Premier League approach of everything before the English Premier League started doesn't, didn't exist. There was no English football until the Premier League started. But no, the Caps won 2-1. Were you cock-a-hoop? Are you talking to Steve? <laughs> well, you weren't there. No. 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 Steve was. Yes. In, in, I, was in I was at work. Lucky. <laughs> it was a pretty boring first half. Let's be, be brutally honest. Well, they had half chances. They wasn't, it wasn't like the... It wasn't like they, they... Yeah, they didn't create like great chances. They controlled the play, though. Um, Houston really had nothing going on in the first half, I no. felt. It was they not, did not end a great up with three half. times as many shots overall, though, as the Whitecaps. But Whitecaps were good possession-wise. And I, I like genuinely, I'm joking about the, about the, the 2011 team. I am genuinely pleased for Mark DeSantis because I like Mark. I'm not saying I didn't like Tommy Sohn, <laughs> Mr. Hot Dog Man. But for his sake... You don't want the tag of having the worst ever Whitecaps team of the MLS era. And I'm pleased for him that he's got that. I haven't spoken to him about this. I might might ask him about this this week. But I think the motivation to beat that will have been somewhere in him. Likewise, I am pretty sure the motivation not to finish bottom of the West is very high inside him. He's never been, he's never finished bottom. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that, partly plays into his we have to win these four games therefore yeah. we're not going to evaluate some some of the younger players in MLS action yeah I mean in, in terms of quality I'd say the 2019 team is better than 2011 team in terms of entertainment not a chance no I think yesterday's game proved that but ultimately as you know I'm all about the wins any means necessary but but it's but it goes beyond that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, result, results is one. Way. Entertainment, sure. If you want to talk about that, it's another. Look, but the I overall watch these five for years. Entertainment doesn't come into it for me. The overall feel of the season. Overall feel of the season is not good. But like no, I but compared said, I, compared to twenty eleven. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was all new. We had a shiny yeah. new toy. We'd unwrapped it. Find there was no batteries included. <laughs> but that was just. It's exciting. And when you watch the videos, check them out on AFT in Canada on YouTube, of the march to the match mm-hmm. and that first thing, the times in the pub, and it, it was a great vibe. Yeah. Now, so many people are just wanting the season to end. The press box yesterday was deserted. The whole back row, not one person sitting there. No one there to see Don. Let's get into the win. A win is a win is a win is a win is a win. Not the most exciting game, but there was late drama. We love our late drama. It keeps the fans there to the end. Makes a nightmare going home in the Sky Train, but it keeps the fans there to the end. And I like a game with a VAR talking point. <laughs> You're being sarcastic, right? I'm just clutching for anything to talk about over these next three weeks to the season ends. There was no talking point there. Well, you say that. You and me had quite a talking... Are you talking about the penalty? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, right, let's get to that right away. For you, yay or nay, a penalty. I thought it was a bit harsh, but I understand why it was given. Uh, yeah. By the letter of the law, 
handball. By well, the letter well, of the law, he's not a goalkeeper, and he handled the ball. Yeah, it wasn't even that it touched <laughs> him while the while he was hand, standing the ball. He put, basically yeah. created it like he was pregnant. Essentially, it was like one which of I don't think was totally intentional. It was but. Like it was how he was reacting to the the shot. Yeah, well. But here's here's the thing. There's uh, one maybe different, uh, one slight difference. I'd say under the new rules that will mm. come in next year. Yes, absolutely, without a doubt. I think you have to give it. I don't agree with those yeah. rules fully, but uh, you'd have to give it. If it hadn't been given, I think that would be pointed to as one of the differences. Well, but the, which is hard for people because yeah. they're watching leagues that have that. The red. What's how? Actually, let's go back to that. Yeah. That is a big problem just now for yeah. MLS because they are operating on different, different rules, rules to yeah. all these other new leagues that are starting their season. And it is confusing some people. The referee didn't want to even go and look at VAR because he was like, I, I could have got a better look. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's, I don't even know how it's reviewable when the referee's standing right there. He should have told the fourth, I saw it. Well, there's an interesting picture that Tom took that we, we put up on AFTN in our story of pictures. There's 10 Houston players around the referee trying to get him to change his mind. Now, there's mass confrontation and then there's every single outfield player surrounding the referee. So there's a fine, obviously, coming for Houston for that. I get why they're pissed off, because it's, it's harsh in a way, because if someone booted a ball at me just above my nuts, my automatic reaction would be to do it. Yes, but would you catch the ball instead of just putting your hands in front of it? I'd be checking That's to see different. both my nuts were there, he to actually, be honest. He actually removed his hands from his nuts and, yeah. and cradled the ball. I think he possibly that, yeah, felt his awkward. nuts That's, that's, that's where I, I say it's a penalty, because you moved his hands away yeah. from what he needs to protect the most. But... Just on principality, it should have been yeah. a penalty. But, and with the new rules, we could see um, new tactics of just blur the ball as hard oh, as oh, you that's can. But well, that's happened in the past. Yeah. No, but that's that's been... No, but it's different because you were allowed to... The referee was allowed to interpret a little yeah. more. Now, now, he's got no now, yeah, this is one of the big still, problems with, I still with this think rule. I, 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 I might be wrong. I th- still think it's interpretation is still for giving away a penalty. But if it's a goal coming off a hand... That's 100% no. So I, I'll mm. check into that. I think there is some interpretation on a penalty for the defender. No, I'm pretty I, sure. I, it's no, if, I th- if a ball hits a hand in the area, it's a penalty. No. It doesn't matter the intent I anymore. Think I, I, th- as well. I think there's an interpretation Does any referees that. listening give us a call? Yeah, let's get to the bottom of this. Uh, get your guy dog to dial the number. Steve's just <laughs> looking up. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Colin, put your glasses on. <laughs> Hearing aid in. Let us know what you think. Oh my God. Uh, I know we rail on referees and it's a it's a tough decision. I was at a VMSL game tonight where the referee completely lost the, the plot. Then, have you seen Portland DC today? Well, I just saw the result. I don't think I saw the Did you not see the controversial goal moment or no goal moment? Where, oh, yes, yes. Yes, I did. Sorry. Yes, I did. I did. I it's did. crossed the line. Yes. We have VAR. Yeah. It's not Sorry. given. Yeah. They got jobbed. Yeah. DC and got job, right? DC got job. But they still they, won, they so still it was won. okay. Because yeah, yeah. if they hadn't, oh, that, I mean, the impact that could have had in the Western race, Eastern positioning, yeah. But yeah, anyway, I, I saw the image of the ball across, like, fully across, clearly across the line. Yeah. It's like, oh, it wasn't clear and enough for this. How you can screw that up and how the technology doesn't work to show that that was a goal. Well, they need to bring in the little wristband things. I mean, it, we got, when the Women's World Cup was here, we got the whole demonstration of how it worked. We got to put it on. We got to feel vibrations going through us. I got to feel like my wife for a night. And it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Do you want the handball rule? Yes. I'll read it out to you. Okay. So these are the times the when, e- yes, following a handball situation, even if accidental, will be a free kick or penalty. 
The handball goes into the goal after touching the attacking player's hand or arm. That's the, when the, in the attacking side. Thierry Henry rule. Yes. Yeah. A player gains gains control possession of the ball after it touches their hand or arm and then scores or creates an opportunity. So that's the same attacking thing. Yeah. The ball touches a ha- player's hand or arm, which has made their body unnaturally bigger. And the ball touches a player's hand or arm when it is above their shoulder unless the player has deliberately played the ball, which then touches their hand or arm. So there is no automatic, by this definition on... Read the, uh, fir- the very first part again. The first one, the, the ball goes into the goal after attaching an attacking player's hand or arm. No, 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 there was one other thing you read before Yeah, there that. was something before that. Well, it says uh, f- even uh, handball situations, even if accidental, will be a free kick or penalty. Even if accidental? Yeah. So- no. In these situations, I just told you the following situations, only in those following situations, even if accidental. So there's no nothing that says automatic penalty for a defender if he t- have it touches the ball. Right, let's let's call up Minor Campos. <laughs> that's that's the rules. That's the, in the article right there. So hmm. I I think you guys maybe misheard it or something like that. Because otherwise there's going to be a lot of penalties, and I, there yeah. hasn't been a lot of penalties this year. Hmm. Well, let's get back to the penalty. Thanks talking, for clarification. Right? No the, the White Cats penalty yesterday. You cut that out if you want. I can't now. First of all. <laughs> The the penalty incident gave me a funny Adnan moment that a lot of people missed. And I forgot to PVR the game. That's how little interest I even had in it. I I got home last night and I was like, I'm going to watch this again. Oh, I didn't PVR it. I don't think this was shown on TV. So the penalty was awarded. Right away, Adnan turns around to the bench. And this is going to be visual, which is oh, always great right. for the radio. And he's like putting his hands up. Yeah, me, I heard me, me, this. Me, me. And then, obviously, the bench was like, no. And he just goes, oh. And he just crumpled. It was I hilarious. think they talked about it on the radio broadcast, oh. I think. Yeah, if, if you, uh, if you, uh, rest of the development fans will know it as the George Michael walk of sadness, which George I showed Michael. you. The the, George, uh, uh, the the character, I showed you the Is his name George gift. Michael? Yeah, his name oh. is George Michael, which is the funny part of it, naming him that. Let's go back to the penalty. I'm, so, I'm, I'm hyped up tonight. I've got Satan inside me. Have either of you ever had Satan? No. It is amazing. I had a kind of shawarma kebab, Satan. I might be pronouncing this right. Guaranteed pronouncing it wrong. S-E-I-T-A-N. S-E-I-T-A. Yeah, that's not how you pronounce it. It's a gluten, uh, vegan vegan thing. Okay. Anyway, back to the penalty. Inbom Huang steps up. He buries it, celebrates into the south side. Yeah. Eat some popcorn off, off the, the ground. Yeah, yeah, that was like... That's going to have little black specks That was dodgy, yeah. yeah. But good for him. Now, maybe I'm just being my old curmudgeonly self. Should he have got a yellow card for jumping over the advertising boards and celebrating in the crowd? I think yes. Oh, no, absolutely. Okay, so... Because 12 minutes later, he got booked. I need to have been off. Yeah, no, absolutely. By the letter of the law, that should. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I absolutely do not agree with that law. But I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you were there. You, were you there? That it was like year. Maybe it was second year MLS, and they were doing the referee. The referee. The guy from the CSA. Ah, oh, I can see his face. I can't remember his name. Anyways, he was doing the. Hey, these are football rules for the local Vancouver media or whatever, and he he talked about this. If a player goes and celebrates with the crowd after. <laughs> For any reason, it's a yellow card, and I and I was at the back of the room, and I was like, <laughs> I was just like, boo. 
<laughs> and everyone turned around, and I kind of just turned around as well, looking. For... <laughs> and I went to him after, and I apologized. I was like, I'm "Sorry for being rude. I just like I think players I, should be able I, to yeah, celebrate I with supporters." And he's like, and he explained to people, he's like, "Well, what if a fan has like a weapon or has yep. something, and mm. the player goes to celebrate, and the player gets hurt?" What helped? Wong yesterday was smoke. the referee was well, the smoke yes. and the referee turned around immediately and just walked away I don't even think he had any idea that he jumped over oh. and then all the players were around the, 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 the barrier the barrier so they kind of blocked uh, Wang from being seen and the smoke like I said there was a lot of yeah. smoke it was just as well because 12 minutes later he, he got the booking and he'd have been off we're not going to break down the game too much because obviously these games don't really matter anymore and plus we got to talk about George Michael yeah there was a horror spell by Zach McMath that led to the leveler. Oh, he did make up for it though with a good save and stoppage time. Oh, okay, the save and stoppage time spell. does not make up for that. That was like a that was a routine save at best, in my opinion. Steve, you're yeah. you're a keeper. Mm. You can disagree, but well, he, yeah, he should have held on to that he, no, or but, held on to it or pushed it. To, so why? Why the, not uh, into the middle? Yes. No, they, that, that oh, I don't a, think he pushed it either way. It just hit him and bounced it, around. Sure. It was a really that was a howler. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, I'm not no disrespect to Zach. No. But but it was. Quick, quick thing about uh, a second favorite Ali Adnan moment of the game was when he just before that goal he set oh, up uh, Rickus yes. for that shot, and uh, I don't know if they showed up on on TV or not, but he almost like ripped his shorts off. That's how upset he was that Ricketts didn't even go for the shot. He, he, he still feels like a coil just waiting to explode at some point in this season. Like he was like grabbing his shorts and going like this and stuff like that. Obviously, that's well, good for the radio again. Thirty-one-year-old Ali Adnan is a very passionate footballer. Yeah. Midlife crisis, possibly. Oh, possibly. But then the winner came from Zach's favourite player. Call him what he is. Theo Bear. Theo Bear set it up. <laughs> he set it up. Freddie frickin' Montero, the Whitecaps, tweeted out, they're nicking my shtick now. Well, they're, they're, not, they're not a creative lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, but... He's got a two-year contract, by the way. <laughs> Did he tell you that again? No, I don't. It was on his shirt after he scored. He lifted it up. He's like, I'm here next year. But yeah, it was a nice set by Theo. Lovely finish by well, Freddie. Okay, okay. It was not that nice of a set by, <laughs> by Theo. That was a mistouch by uh, Theo. Yeah. I don't know. I, yes, I don't, it was. I, I think it was. I mean, I, I, I'm, it I'm was happy a, Theo will get in a sift in him yeah, was. But. It was actually brilliantly brought down by Freddie. Uh, he he did well to, to bring it down and then finish it. Willis should have done better, oh, I feel, yeah. as well with that. Yeah. What are you doing about Willis? It's a call back to the start that may or may not have made it into the I don't the think it's going to make it in. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and you saw what that goal meant to Freddie because this is his worst ever MLS season. He has never not reached double figures before in MLS play. The worst season he had was 2012, 10 goals. He did get 10 assists that year, though. This year, he's only got two assists and seven, seven goals. goals. He's got three games. Give him time, uh, Michael. Yeah, when I, I think he's going to be fired up for it if he plays because he was at, MDS was asked after the game, oh, does, does this earn him a place now in the starting lineup? And he's like, no, 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 no. Basically, as if to say, don't know why you're asking me this. He scored a goal. It's not going to change anything, is how it came across to me. The but thing, but the, the question is like, how does scoring one goal all of a sudden elevate somebody to a starting lineup? It's like, does it make him faster? No, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the question. Has he lost a step this year? Is he just tired? No, he was never that fast. He was no. never that fast. He was almost like a, a silky smooth type yeah. of striker yeah. that would like he, get in Is spots. he just not getting the same? He's lost at least a half a step from his previous spell. In and right he wasn't yeah. that fast again. Yeah. Back no. Then, yeah. Do you think he'll be back next year? He does... 
have a, a two-year contract. Yes. Yeah. I, like, oh, I think he's not going anywhere because no one's going to pay him what he's getting here. Yeah, he's got his coffee shop. But the thing is, I think some MLS teams that if they could afford him as a TAM player, they would. They would have used could have used him in in the run up to the playoffs and into the playoffs like off the bench, not as a starter, but off the bench. Yeah. It would have been a really good luxury for somebody. Yeah, but he's going to be here next year because there's no one who's going to pay that in the in the preseason. Yeah. Maybe yeah, you're right. Maybe next summer someone brings him in for the last I guess you don't few know months of his contract, contract. Yeah, might yeah. be next year or whatever. That, that, that's her. Overall, fair it was a good game I think from Wong and from Adnan. I think it was Adnan's best game since he signed his contract. Mm-hmm. He, he Yes, yeah. He, he was getting forward a lot. He was defending well. MDS talked about finishing the season strong. You referenced that earlier on. Wanting the best players out there. Because he wants to evaluate the likes of Chirinos and Ricketts. He told us weeks ago that there's no plan to, to play the young guys just for the sake of it. And he clearly would want to finish the season with a flourish. Is that the right approach, though? Or should we be looking at some of these guys? It, 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 can't, it, it can't be just playing them for the sake of it. It's yeah. seeing where they're at in terms of playing yeah. at that Well, he's level. constantly saying Simon Coline is not at this level right now. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, and that's understandable. Player, he's sure. only 17. But it's how like, do you I don't know, know that people unless are... you see him at this level? That's the thing. Well, because obviously he, he did look good in the last game last but year. But that was a throwaway game. Yeah, yeah. That was Plus, a... he'll have some adrenaline going through him, yeah. obviously. So. Well, again, well, I think it's lucky he didn't score in that game. Yeah. <laughs> MDS this week said he does have an idea of who's going to stay. Of he has an he idea does. of who's going to leave. Of he course. has an idea of the players he wants. Absolutely, yes, he said. We won't go into that just now because we'll do that in one of our many off-season shows that are coming <laughs> I, earlier I, this, this season. I thought this was an off-season show you told me. <laughs> I guess it kind of is. But MDS and his coaching team, they're going to be away for pretty much two months solid from October to mid-December. Now, the club's search for their technical director is underway. Nolan Partners have been appointed. And don't they have three scouts already hired? Yeah. And apparently, the I, I heard that late in the... Um, Post game show on on the, for the game that they already have people in like South America, uh, scouts and everything. So that's where they essentially are spread all over um, the place. I, MDS missed training on Tuesday and Wednesday. He arrived later on Wednesday, but he wasn't out there on the pitch on Wednesday. I would put my money on him being on a scouting trip to LA to watch Peru Brazil. Hmm. To me, that just made a lot of sense. We're signing Neymar. Shh, we weren't meant to break that yet. I hope not, because I hate him more than Nanny. And you know how much I hate Nanny. <laughs> I saw a really weird haircut of his the other day. I don't know, from years ago? Nanny? No, Neymar. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, He's it? had some weird ones. Yeah. Some weird thing. In front yeah. of, <laughs> some fringe thing. But for me, like this search for the technical director, why start it now? Because it's going to take a couple of months probably to get the man. So you've or, already... Or, or woman. Or, or woman, but the man. You've already written off a big chunk then of the off-season and you're having your coaching staff going to have to do the scouting themselves. It just seems stupid. Well, oh, sir, when they should have started earlier? Earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, like four years ago, five years ago. Well, yeah, obviously. 2011. I, well, it, it, Mark DeSantos is not the first coach to ask for a, a technical director or a, a sporting director no. at the club and, and, was, and was denied initially. I mean, DeSantos was denied initially. He asked for it when he came, right? So we, we know who's to blame for that. They just didn't want to spend the money on it. Yeah. Um, so they, they, if you want to blame people, like Greg Kerfoot, Jeff Mallett, Bobby Leonard Uzi, Rachel Lewis. 
That's who's at the blame. Well, for I say you usually blame for no, but thing. that's who's to blame for that decision. Look, our club There's... liaison, meter greeter, <laughs> is not to blame. He told us that himself. Okay, so then it's just Greg Kerfoot, Jeff Mallett, yep. and, and maybe Rachel. There definitely appears to be a change in philosophy for building next year's squad. He he said if everything goes to plan, the team will be much more competitive. But we've seen a lot this year that the best laid plans of mice and men go after glee. To quote the, the famous alcoholic Robert Burns there. He also said this week, I've learned a lot. Who, Robert Burns? He, well, he's dead. He's oh, dead. He's dead. <laughs> he didn't learn to stop drinking. That's ultimately what killed him. But MDS said he's learned a lot. About losing. <laughs> Probably. Sorry. Sorry. That's us, not a shot at him. He says, Sorry. for us to have a model of play and recruit to maximise that model, for me to do okay. it was a mistake. Oh. Our window is too big. We have to focus on the best players possible we could bring to the club and then finds the mould that fits those players. So you had it here first, 4-1-5 next season. Oh, so that's... But, and that's mostly what the other coaches have done here in MLS. They know they're not going to be able to get the players to, to get the players to enable them to play they would ideally like to play. So you have to, yeah, you have to get the best players possible and, and do what you can with them. And, and, and when you don't have th- three... Two or one proper designated players. What else can you do? True. Now, there was a mailing went out this week to I think lapsed <laughs> season ticket holders. Uh, did you get one? <laughs> no. Um, basically, saying that the the club has money to spend. Now that's bold to put that in writing, because now if they if they've lured these people in and they don't go and spend money, so if these plans were they've got these plans, they've got these players they're targeting. Things happen in football. Clubs get gazumped. The Players Whitecaps have this year, right, yeah. supposedly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a big, big risk to say that by the end of January, we've got money to spend. Everyone's now expecting it. I mean, everyone knows they've got the money to spend. Yeah. And obviously the one-year bond has now matured at the, <laughs> the 0.5 interest rate that they got. Should have gone to AFT in finance for all your financial needs. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a risky... Risky strategy. Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, I've heard that they, they've been saying this to people. Like, we are going, the things we're going to do, you, you, you mean. Oh, you, I say that to my wife every weekend and it never, ever happens. Like, I promise to take her to for a nice meal and, and stuff. It never happens. But just a quick rundown of MLS this week. And it's been an interesting week. There weren't a lot of teams in the West that were pushing for promotion. Promotion? Wishful thinking. They were pushing for the playoffs. That actually won. Seattle, Minnesota, LA Galaxy. My favorite. They won. Colorado. They lost. I know. They were on such a great tear. But LA Galaxy tonight, they're one of these... LA Galaxy, the Timbers, and Dallas are the yo-yo teams just now going 6th, 7th, 8th. Just now, it's Dallas that's back after a good run out of the playoff places. LA Galaxy issued a statement tonight, ultimately ending Sporting KC's playoff hopes, but restarting the Johnny Russell to Vancouver rumours <laughs> that I say to Mark DeSantis every time I speak to him. <laughs> and as someone tweeted out tonight, he hears these voices in his head now of me going, sign Johnny Russell, sign Johnny Russell. So he has to end these voices in his head by signing Johnny Russell. Anyway, we'll be back with some more fun MLS chat after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. 
be happy. He must be happy in his world. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Now, you have listened to last week's show, I hope. It was our 1979 NASL Soccer Bowl special. But last week's show was our climax to our 1979 NASL Soccer Bowl winning season recap, Vancouver Whitecaps' finest hour. Now, with that, you probably thought that was going to be the end of the 1979 songs. Although, I did hint it wasn't going to be. So what we're going to do for the rest of the year, it is probably my favourite year of music in terms of music that was released, songs that were released. There's just so many classics. And that was another one that you heard there. Released on September the 14th by XTC, Making Plans for Nigel. Not real coker. White Cats had their own plans for him. Don't think it involved falling over bike racks, but but there we go. But that was XTC there. If there's any good songs that's been released the week that we're doing the show, 40 years ago, I'm going to bring them to you. Apart from that, we won't have too many more 1979 songs over the course of the year. Or will we? So XTC there, making plans for Nigel. A man that makes a lot of plans for Nigel's, Alan's, Jose's, Jorge's, any other player, really. If they play in MLS, the man to make their plan is MLS Commissioner Don Garber. Now, Don Garber was in Vancouver on Friday and Saturday, was on TSN Radio on Friday afternoon, wanted to come to the Whitecaps Celebrity Legends alumni match that they had before the game against Houston. He was here last year as well and enjoyed it. Wanted to come back for that. Something that MLS are maybe looking to do elsewhere in the league or, or have a big one, you'd think LA would kind of make sense for doing that. So Don Garber was here on Saturday before the game. So myself, Steve and a couple of the other media got a chance to sit in a round table with him, ask him some questions. It was meant to be 15 minutes, it ended up as 25. We had a lot more questions to ask. Going to bring you in full now just now. Hope you enjoy it. This is MLS Commissioner Don Garber. We are... The League! My second time here to witness it and uh, support the Whitecaps as they try to continue to give back to the community. We're uh, very much, uh, we had our first skills competition at our All-Star Game this year and we're thinking about how to Maybe even expand that, and is there a, a world where we could have a celebrity game? And uh, we got that idea as we were, you know, thinking about what's been <laughs> happening here. But hey, I was here, uh, you know, kind of quietly. I, when I travel around, it's not always something that we send out a press release a couple weeks early. We realized yesterday when we met a couple of media people that there are those who follow and cover the team, and it would be a good idea rather than just have a scrum where you throw a microphone in my face and it's rushed at halftime that maybe I'd give everybody an opportunity to sit down and chat for a bit before the game. So, what's happening? Well, speaking of All-Star Games, what would it take for the Whitecaps to get the All-Star Game here in Vancouver? Good question. You know, the, the Whitecaps uh, have in their expansion agreement the right to an All-Star Game. 
And uh, I think they have been uh, thinking about when is the right time to have uh, that event here in, uh, in Vancouver. Uh, it's, it's theirs uh, when they want it. Uh, and uh, we're happy to work with them at the right time. I think uh, we've been, uh, as all leagues do, trying to manage uh, how do you have a, a large uh, international event uh, in ensuring that you have the right uh, media broadcast relationship. So if you have an event that takes place in Canada, you only have a, a, a you're, you're sharing that audience with Canadian broadcasters and, uh, and U.S. broadcasters. Um, but I, our relationships here with TSN and TVL are very strong. So I think we'll work with the team and do it at the right time. Have you had any discussions with the team about it? You know, over the years we have. Uh, and I, I actually think it's smart for uh, the Whitecaps to have it come at a moment when they are ready for it. And uh, maybe that's an anniversary at, of some sort, or maybe it's uh, at a time when, uh, you know, there's a special you know, uh, moment that they're looking to celebrate, but there's not been a rush on our part, not been a rush on the club's part, but uh, we are fully committed to having an all-star game here. The league's changed so much in the last five years since the, the last CBA was set up. The current MLS champs didn't even exist at, at that point. With the new CBA coming up, we've all spoken to players here and elsewhere over the course of the season. They seem ready for a battle. They've talked they're ready for a strike if need be. They've got contingency plans for that. Is the league ready for a strike if that was to be the... Well, certainly the league would be very prepared for work stoppage. I mean, we are in the pro sports business and all leagues are preparing for uh, uh, any outcome. We don't go into any negotiation. I was surprised at the comments that I read a couple of months ago. You don't go into any negotiation on any deal that you're trying to do and talk about the worst uh, outcome. You try to talk about the best possible outcome. So uh, I've been in this job for 20 years. We've, this will be our fourth CBA. Every one of them is difficult. They're all contentious. They all last. Uh, negotiations go to the, uh, uh, the last possible moment uh, to reach agreement, and we've been able to do that. Uh, the league continues to grow, and uh, we have a, uh, a good, close relationship with our player pool. I think it's the best our relationship has ever been. I've got a lot of respect for the leadership of the union. Uh, and uh, we've been talking for quite some time now to have us understand their issues and for them to get deeper into understanding what are the challenges that, uh, that ownership is facing with ongoing losses. Uh, even with a lot of growth, uh, but I'll, uh, I, I look forward to those discussions and sit here smiling because they're pretty memorable. They last, you know, they go on for days on end with little sleep. And uh, but uh, I've been, we've been successful in the past. I'm hopeful that we'll be successful with this deal. Commissioner Garber, there's been a lot of made about charters throughout the league from players on various teams. Uh, the players want more charters. They've been vocal about. Uh, travel problems they've had throughout the season. Uh, as commissioner, would you support 100% charters next season? Well, it's, it's a difficult question to give you a simple answer to. Of course I would be supportive of 100% charters, but in the context of everything else that our players are going to be looking for, it all needs to go into the pot and we mutually need to decide how an available pool of money is going to be allocated to a wide variety of needs. Uh, players are looking for uh, uh, increased compensation, they're looking for increased movement, they're looking for increased 
uh, number of charters and all of it goes into you know, a, a pot and a stirred around and then you hope to reach an agreement on all things. In a perfect world, it would be great to have a league that was, would be able to uh, support our players uh, traveling uh, with charters 100% uh, of the time. But there is only a certain amount of money and the players are going to be very much uh, uh, part of the decision as to how that money is going to be allocated. Uh, we do allow our teams to, uh, to travel via charter on a limited basis. I could assure you there'll be more charter travel on the new CBA, whether it goes all the way to 100%, I think is a function of how the negotiations go. And how do you make sure owners use the charters? Because a lot of the charters are there, they're just not being used. Well, again, I, I, it, I, I'm not prepared to know whether that is a lot or a little. I would assume our teams are utilizing their charter allocation, and you're nodding your head, that, uh, um, shaking your head, maybe not here in Vancouver. Uh, but. Um, I'm probably not, uh, don't, un, don't know how many are and how many aren't. I would assume that all of our teams are utilizing the vast majority of their approved charters. Does anybody know? Nope. Dan, do you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can give you a pretty good sense of it. It would surprise me if, uh, if a lot of them were not utilizing it. It would surprise me a lot, frankly. I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah, first time I ever heard that they weren't using them. Um, there were rumors, uh, there's rumors this week that Sacramento might be this 29th team to be get expansion. And there are a number of teams that city's still looking to get into MLS. What do you feel like, because the number keeps increasing about how many teams are going to be make up this league. Is that, is there a set number at this point or are you just going to? Well, we've said uh, earlier in the year that 30 was going to be that number. But uh, when I came into the league and we had 12 and then 10, uh, I never thought we'd get to 14 or 16, and then all of a sudden you have a process where the league continues to grow and it continues to uh, have momentum, and then there are more and more cities that are seeing the value of, of, uh, of coming into the league and seeing that working for their community and investors seeing it work uh, for their desires to be sports team owners. 30 is the number that we're very, very focused on now. If, if Sacramento comes in with 29, that leaves one available slot. Uh, but I, I don't believe that there is a never-ending number of teams that are coming into Major League Soccer. It's just not practical. If there is a magic number, like say, say even if you go to 32, um, a lot of leagues are in, at 32 in, in North America. If you get to 32 and there's still cities wanting to come in, how much do you fight for the lesser teams that might not be successful where there's you know relocation or something like last year, Columbus almost got relocated in Austin, but it kind of got saved. Uh, I can kind of got saved. It definitely it was got, uh, a lot of hard work went into that. Saved, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> like how much do you fight for those uh, yeah. teams that have been around for long that might be struggling? Well, again, I, regardless of the size of the league and regardless of, uh, of an expansion strategy, all leagues are working on how do you ensure that your teams that are uh, not performing as well as you'd like and the owners and fans would like, uh, they require a lot of attention. And in our league, that's no different than any other league. You, we, the league office, spend a great deal of our time working with some of our teams that are uh, not doing as well as they'd like and not doing as well as their fans would like. Uh, and a lot of time, effort, and resources get applied to that. But that's not a function of expansion. That could be a function of a wide variety of other things. In Chicago, it was a stadium issue. That years of work to uh, renegotiate and get out of the Bridgeview uh, lease and 
uh, moved down to Soldier Field. There was an ownership change that was just announced a couple of days ago. That was part of a process to try to see how we can get the Chicago Fire back to the level of prominence and success that they've had in the past. And that's just one example. It had nothing to do with expansion. You touched a bit on it uh, before about the expansion and owners and operating losses. Uh, we've heard owners <coughs> around the league say they're losing money, including here locally. Uh, how do you balance that with expansion? If teams are losing money, why would you expand this? Yeah, because the, it, it, the things that need to happen in order to manage losses are a wide variety of, of decisions that need to be made and I would say developments uh, that will ensure that you have a, a better model and more revenues coming into the league. So in our case, we needed a North American footprint. We needed to have enough teams covering enough markets that can create concentric circles, that can create you know, coverage over large and small cities, that can create rivalries, as you've seen with the very successful rivalry week that we had just a couple of weeks ago. You need to build a national and international audience that could drive television revenue and merchandise revenue. So expansion is not at all about driving expansion revenue. It's about creating a broad, uh, in, in MLS's case, North American footprint that can create opportunity to drive revenue. So the investment in order to um, grow a fan base and put a product on the field that could resonate with an increasingly sophisticated audience, to uh, continue to invest in academy programs like they have here to be able to have a top of a roster and a bottom of a roster meet in a way that has a productive uh, 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 product on the field. All of those things require massive amounts of money. And those investments are what's driving our league-wide enterprise losses. And the plan is, and I'd say the hope is, and the um, sort of the, the big idea is that all of that investment is going to at some point pay off that will pay off with more revenue. And as a, year, a league that's only 25 years old, our revenues are lagging uh, the investment that we're making. Uh, and I, I spend most of my time managing a bunch of owners who I try to convince to spend more money, including here in Vancouver, on a wide variety of things in order for us to have a more valuable and popular uh, brand to be able to offer to fans, to offer to partners, and to offer to all of our constituents. And uh, if we can't ultimately drive more revenue, then I will probably not be looked at as a successful commissioner after what will be more than 20 years. <laughs> uh, but my hope is, is that we're going to be able to achieve our goals. That was a long answer, man, but you guys can cut it out and make me look smart. <laughs> People are going to look at, say, the expansion fee, say 150 million for a team coming in. How much of that goes into the league though and how much goes to the existing owners? All goes to the owners. None of, none of it is captured in the league budget. Basically, and, and this is an important thing I say to media people in every meeting, uh, expansion fee, think, think about a business that has 20 partners and you have a certain amount of revenue. 20 people share that revenue. And now you have 24 partners. So 24 people are dividing up the same revenue. Every television deal is not till 2000 and after the 22 season. So the ownership gets diluted when you bring in new partners. The cost of that dilution in sports, not just in MLS, 
the NHL when they had Seattle and Las Vegas. The cost of that dilution are expansion fees. And if you would think about it, if you're an owner of a business that only has, let's say, 20 owners, and if our plan of investing more is going to ultimately deliver a lot of value, at some point, if it does deliver, whatever that expansion fee is, is a very, very small price to pay for owning what will be a very valuable team at some point, or a valuable business at some point, because long term, we really believe that this is going to work. And all of those fees are distributed equally to our owners. The league, does, the league budget doesn't capture. Don doesn't get a piece of it. Neither does you know, Charles or Dan. It, it basically is the price paid to buy into a share of the company. That makes sense? Commissioner, I know you mentioned yesterday on TSN that the pathway to success for each team isn't necessarily, it's something that's owner and organization, organizationally driven. But um, in regards to homegrown players and youth academies, is the league happy with this current sort of arrangement of development squads playing in various USL leagues or you know, exhibition and other things, or is there an ideal structure long-term for bringing these homegrown players and kind of grooming them for the MLS level? Well, um, I think the system is working well for where we are today, but I don't think it is the right system for the future. Uh, now, 10 years ago when we were, or 12 years ago when we had reserve teams that were playing against each other. It was the only competition that we could have for the bottom of our roster and for an extended roster to allow players that we were signing that were not playing for the first team to get competitive games. And then we went and met with the what was the NASL, now defunct, and the USL and said, why don't we create a relationship where we will buy and invest in teams in your respective leagues so that we could have those players play in a very competitive environment against uh, guys who are trying to nick at their heels and win a game, who are mature players and are playing in front of fans. That environment is what makes professional football, soccer work all around the world. The NASL passed on it and the USL said yes. And then over the years, the USL has continued to develop their model. And then now the question is, is the USL uh, is our MLS teams in the USL the right structure going forward for the USL or for Major League Soccer? And those discussions are going on as we speak to try to figure out what the best format is or best structure is going forward. It is particularly challenging here in Canada because we have massive investments going on in Vancouver and in Toronto and in Montreal, and we no longer have the same mechanism and the same structure to be able to have those players that we're investing deeply in have a competitive environment to be able to play in. Now, at some point, that needs to be resolved or the Canadian player is not going to get developed as effectively as they need to get developed. Right now, the Whitecaps don't have a, a USL association because they're not permitted to have a USL team here in Vancouver. Yet Toronto has a USL3 team, right, because there are a wide variety of reasons for that, and somebody can remind me currently what's going on with Montreal. I don't even know what Montreal's... Uh, so they had a uh, affiliation. So I am excited about the development of the CPL, but we do need to work together to figure out as a 
uh, as a North American, I'll say that the Canadian Soccer Association needs to figure out how they're going to engage with major league soccer teams that are investing millions and millions and millions of dollars per team, not including what they've invested in their academies and in their infrastructure to ensure that that investment is going to help develop the Canadian player and help justify the investment that they're making, or else that investment's gonna go away. Because right now, we're, it's not making that much sense. Uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, talk about the political issues these days. What drove the lead to ban or change the policy in terms of signage this year? And it seems to vary from team to team what is acceptable, what is not. And, you know, is there any thought of that being changed back? Well, uh, I'm going to answer the third part of the question first, but it's not the answer to your most important part of your question. There is no varying uh, uh, decision, there is no varying policy team by team. There is a league wide policy. What has happened is the policy is real new, and we're having challenges in ensuring that it can be managed and executed effectively. And that's to be ex understood because the policy was uh, created midstream. And the reason we created the policy is because we were managing what was the, uh, uh, what was the involvement or the inclusion of signage that we believed was political and that was creating a challenge for us to manage, uh, the, manage how we would deal with it as it relates to other signage that could be de deemed political and therefore creating an environment in our stadiums which would not be something that we were comfortable with or the vast, vast majority of our fans were comfortable with. So early in the year, we met with all of our teams. This wasn't a league mandate. It was in a process that we managed with our clubs to try to come up with a policy that made sense. And the, uh, the flashpoint is the use of the word political because people interpret the word political differently, city by city and market by market. And uh, that's not something that we anticipated, right? something that we've got to work to understand better. We've got a meeting on Thursday with the, meter, the leaders of three MLS teams that are going to meet with our uh, league president that manages uh, uh, communications and oversees operations and oversees our competition, uh, Mark Abbott, and he's going to meet with those leaders on Thursday in Las Vegas, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, just confirm leaders of the supporters. Yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to uh, uh, create an environment for all of our fans uh, that is about uh, the game of soccer. And we understand that part of this incredible environment that we have uh, created has been driven by the supporter, the passion of our supporters and the flags that they wave. And recently, those flags have, um, some of those flags have uh, created a challenge for us to figure out how do we determine what is acceptable in one market versus what might be unacceptable acceptable in another market and what is unacceptable uh, in every market. Let me be really clear, and, and, and um, I, I want to be sure that, you, that everybody understands this. We stand strongly and have since the beginning of this league uh, for inclusion, uh, for anti-racism, uh, for anti-fascism, 
and for any form of hate. And I am proud of the programs that we've created for over a decade that, that allow Major League Soccer to stand uh, for human rights. And I, and I believe that in my heart, and I know that I speak for all of our owners, and I speak for you know, everybody associated with the league. And I don't think that anybody should view the issues that we're having with the Iron Front flag as something that should be questioning our values, because it doesn't. It's an issue that we have with a specific uh, uh, symbol that we, that, that, uh, that we need to, uh, 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 issues that we have with a specific symbol, and that's being uh, tied up in questioning what our values are. And I think that is untrue, and I actually think it's really unfair. Just to follow up there, so to be clear, you have initiatives as a league, you know, um, Pride Night, uh, anti-racism. Does the league have an official stance on white supremacy and... I mean, how could the... Uh, it's everybody, every human being should have an issue with white supremacy. Thank you. And being asked that question respectfully is something that I, I just find shocking to me because as a, as, a, as a person with my own personal background and my family history and the programs that we've created from Soccer for All to Don't Cross the Line, it is incredible to me that any fan or anyone would ever question that. So what is being confused here is a policy that we need to manage through and enact in a way that is going to allow our stadiums to be able to uh, uh, be uh, uh, all of our fans be comfortable in our stadiums is being confused with what the league stands for. And, uh, and I, listen, I accept it. And we're going to continue to work on it. But okay. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate White the answer. Caps, uh, one last question. Whitecaps had their own uh, scandal earlier this year. Um, I know you said it was prior to 2008 when Whitecaps were in MLS, but it was affecting the MLS Whitecaps this year. At what point does the league office kind of start talking to the owners to get them to start dealing with it in a, in a way to kind of get it all off the headlines? Yeah, I don't, I don't think the league, I, I was in constant contact with Greg Kerfoot, with Jeff Mallett, with, uh, with, with Rachel when, when this issue was, uh, you know, front and center here in Vancouver. But it wasn't about the league uh, getting involved to instruct them to do anything. It was letting them know uh, that we were here to support them so that we could together find a way that uh, this club could deal with what was a really, really challenging situation. And it took a time for it to work its, its way through. Uh, I, I don't think anybody uh, looked at what was going on with the, so the Southsiders as uh, something that was anti you know, ownership or anti the club. I think there were fans that had real issues with what was going on and wanted to be sure that this issue was raised to the forefront. It was, and it was dealt with, and I think we're behind it. And I, I, I don't remember the name of the program here in Canada that you guys have, that you've had the folks doing the Sport research. <clears throat> Sport Law and Strategy Group. Uh, and there are uh, things that they're doing to ensure that this never happens again under their watch. I'm sure the CSA is doing the same thing to ensure that this doesn't happen under their watch. And, uh, and we all need to understand that it was a horrible situation. And I feel for those that were involved. And I'm, I'm glad that we've been able to you know, address it and then hopefully work together so that we can move on in a positive way.
Thanks, Gary, very much. Thank you, Don. Thank you. So that was Don Garber there talking about a lot of things. There's a a lot of things that we're going to need to unpack from that. And we're going to do that after this. Hi, I'm Carl Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN podcast. Fin Clyro there. This golden rule. Our artist of the month for September. You like that one? It's nice. Huh, it's not, it had a kind of a Foo Fighters kind of feel to it. Yeah they, yeah, they do have a kind of Foo Fighters vibe. That's from their fifth album, Only Revolutions, from 2009. Kilmarnock fans. What What is the golden rule in MLS? I wonder what that might be. I should ask that. A, a lot of them are kind of made up of napkins, so I don't know if there's a golden one. <laughs> a golden napkin? Possibly. But you're back listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. So in part two, Don Garber talked about uh, a lot of things there. And we want to kind of delve a little bit into some of the things that, that he did talk about. We were only meant to have 15 minutes with him. It developed into 25. We had a little bit of chat off the record with him afterwards, but he had to go away and do TV stuff. He's so generous. He is. It is good that he comes and he speaks to the media. He's very open in asking media to ask him questions. But I will also say that he does talk a lot, especially on the, the softer questions, using up the time, you could cynically say, but he does talk a lot without actually saying very much. It's a good kind of politician's trend. Yeah. And it's something a lot of commissioners do and a lot of owners do and, and people like all Any, sports do it. Anybody who runs a business yeah, does it. basically. <laughs> and I, I mean, it's understandable. So I know there's probably going to be some stuff there that will have frustrated people uh, just hearing about him not expanding on it. There was so much more I was wanting to, to talk to him about on the plain side of things. The, the role of DPs, the salary cap, all the stupid mechanisms, will they be possibly disappearing like has kind of been hinted. But these days, I'm getting very interested in the business side of operations throughout the league, also like in CPL and the the Tier 3 BC League. I don't know why, that that kind of business side of football is starting to interest me a a lot more. And he did talk a lot 
about business side of things in this chat. So expansion was mentioned. Steve actually asked him a question that brought that up. Good job, Steve. And, I mean, your, your question basically was, would he help protect the older teams that yeah. are maybe struggling just now? It's fine bringing on all these new teams, but there are a lot of existing teams in the league that are struggling with crowds and performance my, and a lot more. My whole point, I don't, I don't know if he got the gist of what I was trying to ask, but I was trying to ask him when he gets to that, you know, max limit, you know, where there's 32 and there's more cities that want teams yeah. and then there's owners. I w- actually, I should have phrased it better. Will he, I wanted to say, will he protect the supporters that support the team and so they don't lose it if an owner's willing to sell to a different city? That's what I was trying to ask him, but I guess it didn't come out that way. No, but, although he but did, he, he did, he did, he did talk basically about it. Yeah. say that he doesn't think there's going to be an, a never-ending amount of cities that can host MLS teams. Yeah. I kind of disagree with that because there's a lot of teams not even in the equation right now for MLS that I feel should be. Maybe they don't want to be. Yeah, but Michael, if he then says that, then that leads to a further discussion of of, MLS 1, MLS 2, promotion and relegation that he does not want to engage in in any way, shape, or form. And you can't get charging folk $200 million to to get a piece of the pie. And some teams like Chicago and Columbus have new ownership. And Columbus have been saved, Steve. Yes, yeah. he, 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 he did want to stress. That. Well, I, 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 that was a funny moment. I, I was kind of thinking. I was kind of thinking of the on-field product. This yeah, year. I, I knew exactly <laughs> what that's, you that's meant. That's where it was coming. But also, I would never say never either. Mm. That I mean, for any team. Yeah. You just a new owner. The owner. I mean, it, it happened in Scotland. There was a club, Gretna. Oh yeah. This guy took him from non-league into the football league up to the Premier. They went to a penalty shootout in the Scottish Cup, nearly won the yep. Scottish Cup. He died. His family didn't want anything to do with the football. Gretna went bust. Are you saying Jeff Mal's kids are going? No, I wasn't using Vancouver as an example. But What's his name? There was a white cap. Uh, what's his name? The keeper. Oh, the keeper from England. For the white caps in the USL era. Phil was- Parks. Parks. No, in the, in the USL era. Oh, USL era. He was from, wasn't he connected to Gretna? Or maybe after or before? Oh, I'm not sure. He, uh, Tony Keg. Oh, oh, maybe. I think he was connected. I think he played there before he came here. I think and that's one of the reasons why he came here. I think. But Chicago and Columbus—they've got new ownership and they've got a new vision. But with with what he said, I mean, he was positive that he wants to try and help the teams, and he spends a lot of time talking to the teams that are struggling just now. I feel fans do have a right, though, to be worried because. You, you look around the league, and you I know it can't just be based on attendances, but some of the attendances this season must be scary as hell for for the clubs. Because they, it's I, what's the number that's down this year? It's I guess we went out to the end of the year, but it's yeah, down. It's, it's the midway market was down. down. Yeah. I mean, even in here in Vancouver, you see that it's down, and we've always been consistent. Even when we've not been doing well, yeah. we've always had the consistently was, high numbers. It was seventeen announced yesterday. Yeah. And it was probably what like fourteen. Yeah. I, would maybe even see less, but right. although it did fill up a bit towards the end. Gabbard did rightly say, though, that the teams, they're not struggling because of expansion. It's kind of, they're getting left behind. These new teams are coming in now. They've maybe got a new enthusiasm. They've got new money. They're they're not fatigued with having been in the year, the years past and having to keep things up. But I genuinely struggle to see that in 10 years' time, in MLS, all these current teams that are currently playing just now are still going to be in the same cities that they're currently in. I hate that. Yeah. 
but it's an aspect of North American sports that's very real. Well, the whole Austin Columbus thing shows shows the league's true colors, right? So, Steve, if you wanted to press him on this, you you could have said like, "Well, look, you guys backdoored Austin, like like they jumped the the queue." Yeah, ahead of more deserving cities. Arguably, yeah, for sure. Uh, and so, like, that's an example that that shows their true colors that they care more about the markets or the communities they have and the amount of money they can make make from the expansion fees. Yeah. It, it was weird when he talked about the expansion fees, how he was just like, well, actually it was good because he clarified a couple of things. And he's on the record as clarifying a couple of things. One, he said, <clears throat> none of that money goes to the league. Yeah. It all goes to the owners. And he said it all, it, they each get an equal amount. So yes. however many owners are, there's divided, the expansion fees divided by them. that. I mean, I asked him that and that genuinely surprised me yeah. because I thought the league... Kept got some. part of the share. No. Like, I thought they were one of the shareholders. So when he said the league gets none of that, it's like, well, yeah, no wonder you're losing money. What kind of business model is that? But as he explains it, it's like you're buying into a business. So the way he explains it makes sense, but surely the league should get some of that expansion money. Sure. The other thing no, but the thing is, is the teams might pay it back to the league through their because they, they, I think the owners have to support the league in a way, don't they? Or like, where does the money come from? Does I don't the, know. the league office, the league office gets money from the the teams, you know, run around about yeah. too, probably. The, the thing that he did, he he totally dodged. Believe full, me, full Garber's answer. getting paid. <laughs> you oh, don't yeah. have to worry about that. The, the thing he totally dodged was saying that that those money actually offset their losses. He never yeah. he never talked about the operation loss on the football side of things, and how the money from expansion is either offsetting that or, or how close it is to offsetting that. A lot of the existing clubs, they, they need fresh owners. I mean, you saw the Sounders brought all those new owners in a couple Houston of brought ago. the basketball guy. And that, I think, is the key to these existing teams staying fresh. You need new money in. And as much as I hate the Sounders, as much as I didn't, have an idea who most of the people that the signs brought in as the owners were, it's really good business sense by them to do that. The White Caps need to look at freshening up the owners of, of the White Caps. I can't see it happening. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But they it? need to look to do that. I would be shocked, wouldn't you? I'd be very shocked. Now, teams are losing money. It's what we constantly hear from MLS. And I do believe that if the owners are getting all this money and it's not getting ploughed into the teams, yeah, of course they're losing money. Because attendances aren't going to sustain them. No. The TV money is nowhere like other sports in North America or football around the rest of the world. But Gigi Adams raised a good point. If the if these teams are losing money, why keep bringing on more teams? Because yeah, well, then you're, you're just like diluting. watering down, yeah. diluting the pot. You are diluting it, but it helps the... And I think he mentioned it. I can't remember if you mentioned yeah, no, it or he not. Did. He did. He, yeah. it, you need to have, uh, for a US media market, you need to have spread out yeah. things. Now, <clears throat> I'll use an example of the NHL. The NHL had that, all those Southern teams that they brought in, Arizona, Tampa, Miami, nobody expected, why would you put hockey teams in those places? But it has kind of helped because they pay able to... The media market, the national media market, has a more of a where they can 
produce different games from different places, so it helps him that way. I, I think he even said, like, oh, yeah, the expansion, it's not about the fees. He's yeah. like, yeah. it's about having the right mix in the right places and so, the right groupings. Yeah. And he and mentioned that the TV deal expires in 2022, 20, 2022. which is one year after the they have to negotiate the, with the union, yes. which helps them because they don't have to show them that mon- new money that they might yeah. potentially get in. And interestingly, the end of 2022 is going to be right in World Cup time in yes. Qatar. Yeah. Because it's December 2022. And, and and that that deal was, when it was struck, was their highest ever deal. Now, it's connected to USSF because it includes the American yeah. National Union. And it was around $90 million, so, so I mean, if I remember correctly. As Steve mentioned, he did talk about creating a North American footprint. So you've got pockets all over the US media market covered. And yeah, that makes complete sense. The more it covers, then the more they can attract national sponsors and TV deals and stuff like that. He said... The hope is, and the idea is, that at some point it's all going to pay off with more revenue. Now, that, to me, is a flawed and dangerous business model. (coughs) Permiscu, you could say. (laughs) I wouldn't be so cynical, but that, to, to say we're hoping the more we bring on that we're going to increase our revenue. So you pay us all this money, we'll bring you on board, and by you joining, we're going to get bigger. So we're going to get money, and then you're going to make more money. When the next team pays more money, you'll recoup some of your money. That, to me, I'm not saying it's going to be like the NASL and it's going to go completely tits up. I think it would take a lot for that to happen. But there's a big danger that there's going to be a big implosion at some point. That is not a sustainable business model for me. No, from the outside, it, and we don't know all the ins and outs. Again, right? we don't know all the details of the sum stuff and what what they're getting, and because I think a lot of the sponsorships are through sum. Yeah, I I, I would just say because folks say, "What you're not a businessman? What you're talking about?" I am tr- a trained business person. I'm from a financial background, and I work with businesses, setting businesses up as a manager in yeah. a bank. And so, you were so helpful in writing mine and Steve contracts. Yeah, yeah. So I do know a little bit about flawed business models. I've seen a lot in my time. And to me, this is a much grander scale than I dealt with, but it's a flawed business model. Oh, absolutely. It might pay off and it everyone's going to yeah. be rolling around like Scrooge McDuck in his big water chain. But th- here's the thing. like they're not, They don't tell you everything, so it's hard not to believe that, there are, that, that, that the expansion fees aren't yeah, keeping there them. There has to be more, okay, yeah. more to it that's come out. Now, Garber says he spends a lot of time encouraging owners to spend more money, and he said including here in Vancouver. Yeah. I'd love to hear those conversations. I can imagine how they go. So the, the line's a bit bad today, Don. I'm struggling to hear you. Ultimately, spending money does drive more revenue because you get if you've got a more successful team, you've got bums on seats, you've got more jersey sales, all that stuff that goes with it. It's a long-term business venture, but this is a, a modern world. And this is the issue I have with CPL as well, because you're looking at you're not going to make money in the CPL for five or ten years. A lot of businessmen these days, people that want to invest, they want a quick return. They're not prepared to wait long term to see things maybe come good. You need to find this, the right people that want to do that. And is there enough people that do want to do that and don't just want a quick return on their money? Yeah, there are people. There, there are owners like that, but there are also owners that uh, uh, the one thing is uh, looking for a loss 
in fact, in order to yeah, uh, maintain can, their own yeah. financial books. Um, there are also some that enjoy owning a team. It's almost their personal plaything. Well, it just comes with and perks. Yeah, so they, they, there are different people out there. Yeah, I agree with you there. But anybody who's investing in sports, I, they must know that there's not a 100% chance. Unless you're in one yeah. of the top leagues, there's not a 100% chance you're going to be making money right off the bat. Now, we talked about all the money side there. And, of course, the CBA is coming up. And every year when the CBA comes up, the, the league, they plead poverty to the players and to the union. And it's going to be the same this year. You know it. They're already saying things in all this media about, oh, all these teams are losing money, blah, blah, blah. That you're buying a share in the company. So it's not that the money's getting plowed into it. Now, the players are seeing all this expansion money. Yeah. It must be hard for them to see it and to stomach it that the rich are getting richer, as always, the owners. They're not sharing the wealth. And I know socialism is not a big thing in the US that people like to share the wealth. But for the players to sit down and be told, we've no money, uh, you've just got all these teams coming in for multi, multi hundred million dollar deals. I, I, I don't think the league can keep coming with that. At some point, it's going to reach breaking point where the, the players are like, okay, we're going to test you with a strike. We're going to see if you are happy to just string us along like this. And the strike talk is ramping up on the union side. Don Garber not happy <clears throat> that strikes are getting mentioned, as, as he mentioned there as well. But he also fired back saying, oh, we're ready. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're prepared for... But he also said that the anybody who's in a negotiation has to be prepared for the worst case scenario yeah. or the best case scenario. Oh, I mean, but- they, will, they will be ready. This will be a nightmare for them to bring two new teams into yeah. the league, one of them being Beckham's Miami, and you've got a strike, and the season doesn't start and in time. And then we'll what- give Beckham time to build the other stadium. Yeah. <laughs> get the arsenic out. <laughs> get, get Messi in to play with, with David Norman Jr. There you go. He's a lucky man, Messi. Dr- dream team. Yeah. The charter issue, obviously oh, raised. That was that was awkward. I, I bet, I bet there, you he there felt... There was a couple of awkward things that he I, said. I bet you he that felt awkward when he's like, oh, they don't use them here? Yeah. What? I, if he doesn't know that, that was, I am stunned. I think I, he was playing stupid. I think he or was Or he was taking well. a veiled shot at the owners. I think that's <laughs> what it was. But that was one of the awkward things. As with him saying, I don't know what Montreal's affiliation oh, yeah. with the USL. Yeah, I, I put him right in that. It's okay. Yeah. We didn't get a taxi. Well, they are Canadian teams he's asking oh, about, so he might not know. Yeah, they're, was, they're French-Canadian. They're even more. I, I, they're I was, I was sure. thankful that he didn't use his uh, old famous line of Canada is my legacy in, in this interview. Oh. But yeah, the charter issue, I mean, it already feels that MLS are going to sit down to the players and go, yeah, have a lot more charters, but we're cutting the salary cap. We can't do both. It's one or the other. Yeah. It, uh, I... Uh, it, as I was listening, you sent us the, the thing, and as I was listening to it, I was just like, this sounds a lot like, how should I put this? This sounds a lot like talking to some people who work for the Whitecaps, <laughs> where it's like, oh, yeah, like there's just a pot of money, and we, we don't have any more money. So if you want more of that, we're going to have to take away from somewhere else. It's just yeah. like, it's just like. That is no, how businesses work. No, but, but at the same time. This is. This is a way to attract more players to the league, attract better players to the exactly. league. Exactly, it has to do with being better yeah. at what you do, and, and they and like Vancouver is is isn't not striving for that in a number of ways. They are in others, but 
but in this is one of the areas they're not. I was disappointed the way that Har asked the question, and like you, you said your question, he didn't quite pick it up the yeah. way it was meant. He didn't pick Har's yeah. up because I, I really wanted her to use the words, "Will you mandate yeah. this?" But he's under the impression. Oh, every, he's, he's why would you use them? Why would you not use them? Yeah. Which is a very fair thing to say. It's there. Why would you not use? Why them? Why would you not use your competitive one of your competitive advantages? Yeah. yeah. For cross-country travel and all that crap. Anyway, he talked about his surprise that teams are, aren't aren't using charters. He mentioned it's never been mentioned to him before in these meetings he has with the media, which does make you suggest other teams are using them. But it, Vancouver is a kind of special case as well because we do travel the most. It, you're, that's true. It's been a couple of years, but I have talked to players in other cities and said, hey, what does it, this look like? And there are other teams that also do not use charters. So Vancouver's not yeah. alone. Oh, no, that. they're certainly not. Um, but and they are costly. Yeah. But if it gives you a competitive advantage. And the clubs are always going to come around and say, there's no there's no guarantee that you use a charter and you win. And there's no math to show, oh, spending all this money is getting us these points. But we also know that this is not the only solution that the owners themselves have talked about. I think mm. I've shared on the show in oh, the yeah, past. Oh, yeah, like sharing a plane. Yeah, the, the, uh, the owners in Salt Which Lake. Which makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. they said, why it's, don't we each buy a plane or... Why don't we buy regional planes and then we use them during our season? Exactly. And we, yep. rent, whoever them has, we whoever, rent them out outside whoever, of our wh- season. Whoever has the longest flight gets to use them yeah. that week or something like and that. And any week they're not used, we get to fly over to Pacific FC yeah. and, and take in a game and be back in time for the show. I think that's a great idea. He did say on this TSN chat that maybe it needs to look at some different kind of strategy for teams like Vancouver. Are we going to get VAM? Vancouver allocation money <laughs> just to spend on charter flights. I'd be for that. That'd be not bad. I, I hope, though, that the league doesn't just do a, a, a case like that for some clubs. Yeah, we'll benefit, but that's not a way to run a league. You need it has some standards. Be, yeah. It has to be the same for everyone. The, it's got to be mandated for me. If it's over a certain number of miles, no, nothing else. That seems too logical for MLS, Michael. Now, we... The last question was from Steve. He he briefly touched on on the women and the the issues that's that's been this year, and it, he said this on TSN as well that the whole thing with the women happened before the MLS era. But he's glad the way the club addressed it now. Yeah. But the thing is, all the residency scandals and some of the other stuff that's happened in the MLS yeah. era, but. Again, we were pushed for time. Steve was lucky that he get that last question in. I know, didn't want to ask him because I knew I because I, I knew he would have probably said that it's in the MLS era. But it was. Yeah. I wanted to make it like it's affecting the MLS team this year. Yeah. What did the front? Yes. Uh, what did the office do in order to? Oh, you know, talk M- to MLS was involved. Which interestingly, that question was cut out of the video that yeah. was uploaded onto the MLS box. You know something that would. Uh, impact one of their teams so much, you know that they were involved. Yeah, you know oh, that well, they he, had... he said he was on the phone constantly, but he wasn't giving them direction. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. There was I'm some pretty direction. sure there was strong. Somebody words up out there was giving yeah. definitely giving. Direction. I mean, yeah. even even if it didn't happen in the MLS era, the people that were behind it are here in the, yeah. in the MLS era. So I think it's a problem. And then the last thing we'll just quickly mention here before we wrap this section up was the Iron Front flag stuff, <laughs> which there was more stuff today. More stuff today. I had a question I really wanted to ask him about this. And I was wanting to try and ask him off the record as well. But he got hurried away before before I could. 
the whole last question thing cropped up and then JJ had asked a follow-up yeah. around the Iron Front stuff and then I knew Steve was wanting to ask something as well so I, I dropped it but for me JJ was like I want to hear you say yes yeah. well that his question on white supremacy was also, also cut, cut out yeah. of the, yeah. the video that was uploaded but so now we don't know if Garber's a guest yeah <laughs> let's <laughs> listen to the podcast but yeah there's more Iron Front stuff today ECS stage yeah. to walk out because one of their capos was waving a flag and yeah. got ejected yeah. so that wasn't a planned walkout or unless they knew him waving the flag was going to get him ejected. I don't know. Now, for me, this is what I was wanting to, to say to Garber. This seems a very strange case for both the league and the supporters. A strange hill to die on. Yeah. Supporters are not letting this go. Well, yeah, sorry. For MLS me, don't seem to be letting this go. For, and there's going to be a meeting a, with some supporters groups this, this it, week. It seems a strange place in one sense for the league to die on. But the, I think we mentioned it a week, a couple of weeks ago, Michael. This has to do with sponsorship money, and they do not want to be connected to Antifa, which in the United States yep. means violence, yep. chaos, doing things again that are illegal. That they do not want that connected to their business. And I totally get that because it does have bad connotations. Yeah. He, but. Like, there's no point going into a big history lesson because it's been covered so much yeah. but a lot of anarchists are in Antifa and the Iron Front fought anarchists yes. when it first started yeah. and people were just they've taken this as something which for me is basically it's the supporters battling the league to see if the supporters have a voice and in that case I back the supporters Yeah, but it's like where the lines stop and we had this big discussion yesterday afterwards with amongst ourselves because an example i gave celtic their supporters regularly bring palestinian flags to games right it was an issue in a uefa match when they did it and they were playing an israeli team yeah because then it was seen as a political statement so when is a country's flag a political statement (laughs) if it's deemed always then why are we displaying flags at the start of games and it's it's a fine slippery slope And I don't know why the MLS want to, to go to battle with this yeah. so much because, th- for me, this is the way to test it. The last game of the season, all the supporters groups, en masse, if they can get them into the stadium, that's the problem, they fly dozens, hundreds of the flags. Yeah. Are they going to ban hundreds of supporters from the supporters groups? They would punish the supporters groups but are they going to ban everyone? And if they do, we've got chaos then. And it, for me, the league's just falling apart. Yeah. I, I, one of the awkward things that he mentioned in the interview, which I, I guess he'll, they'll approach us of trying to, hey, we're trying to be transparent and whatever. But it was extremely naive, foolish, if you will, when he said, I think it was like, oh, we didn't understand that there would be such a dif- a differing understanding of the word political in our in our messaging. Yeah. That was just like mind-bogglingly fool. Like, but also the the problem in the states in particular is, say the West Coast, something is thought of as political that isn't thought of as political in the South. Say a Confederate flag, something that is considered. Political in the South, see the Iron Front thing, is not considered political on the West Coast. So you've got pockets of the country that do not even agree what is political and what isn't. 
And what one group thinks is political, the other group doesn't. And this is where it's a whole, just a whole mess. And there's, I don't see any way around this now without these protests going on and on and on. Yeah. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see what these final few weeks entail. Yeah, yeah but... I, I okay. I agree with you. In, I agree with you in the sense that in the states, there's diff- there'll be different opinions in different regions. Totally understand that. But when you, as a league, do things like the national anthems, the flag displays of the of the nations, yep. you do military nights. Yep. You have how, your camo jerseys. Even how are those things not political? And then you choose to use that word. That like it. It, it, it was like they were setting things up to fail. Yeah. I I just don't think they thought it was going to. Uh, you also have to quit. How many people yep. that are doing these yeah, protests yeah. just now even knew what the Iron Front flag was a couple of months ago? That, well, that's Portland, just Portland's of, had it for a yeah, while. That's just the kind of mess that we're in. And it isn't banned in NWSL and some other leagues because it's been flying and there's been no issues at all. Well, NWSL, Christine Sinclair yeah. walks into the stadium. I know. Sure well, so did, um, oh, I've forgotten his name, uh, Valentin as well. He oh, had a yeah. thing as well. Anyway, That's it for this part. We're going to be back in part four with some Canadian talk, including some stuff that Don Garber said after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. What was that song, Steve? A Canadian band, The Birthday Massacre. I think we played them earlier, a couple of year, weeks ago, but this is a different song called Kill the Lights. Mm. Good. I, I liked them when you played them before. I'm going to have to check them out. Where are they from? Somewhere in Canada. Oh, okay. I think it's Ontario. <laughs> I think it's Ontario. Oh, I think you did mention that the yeah. last time. Yes. We played a Canadian artist because we don't just play Scottish rap and Scottish punk and Welsh. stuff. Mostly we do, but we don't always because in this part, we're going to talk Canada. We're going to talk some more of Don Garber's comments. We're going to talk about Canadian development, tying in with a, an article that I brought out tonight. We're going to look at CPL and, of course, the national team. You got off to a cracking start of sorts in the CONCACAF Nations League. But let's just get back into the, the Don Garber talk. There was a a little bit of interesting stuff that came out from Garber there about the game in Canada going forward, or rather the development of Canadian players. Like I mentioned, I, I would have liked to have asked him what happened about the whole Canadian DP that was mooted two years ago and mm. they would get subsidised and stuff like that. Obviously, when Atiba said no, I think that kind of fell out the, the window with it. But who knows? Maybe it'll get used somewhere down the line. 
But the future of youth development, we've talked about it a lot on the show, it's something that's close to our heart. He said that the system's working okay today, but it's not the right system for the future for, for MLS. A la USL having MLS two teams in it, or affiliations and all that kind of stuff. For me, he rightly said that there's an issue here in Canada. He said if it doesn't get resolved, then the Canadian players are not going to get developed the way that they need to be. And in that regard, what he's meaning is, right now, Toronto have TFC 2 in USL League 1, which is the third tier. And it's there's 10 teams in it, it's not great competition. Montreal Impact are giving players to Ottawa Fury. There's an affiliation there. Who knows what will happen if Ottawa end up in the CPL, if they even do that, if they even are allowed to exist after this season. The Whitecaps obviously folded WFC2. The affiliation Be- with before, did not go well. Yeah, before CPL. Oh, yeah, before CPL. Affiliation then did not go great in Fresno, who are currently sitting third in the standings without the oh, association. So Good for them. Yeah, good for them. Had a... Robert Earnshaw doing a good job down there as the assistant. But what it means is there's not going to be any more sanctioning by the CSA for a Canadian USL team. It's what we're led to believe. It doesn't look like there's going to be sanctioning for any Canadian teams in a league that is not a Canadian league. Going forward, at least. We don't know what it means in terms of sanctioning existing teams now that the CPL is up and running. Is Ottawa going to be allowed another extension to play in the USL? They've, pub- they don't want they've to publicly go? said, oh, we're going to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? There's lots of talk behind the scenes that they're going to get. You, you've got League One Ontario and the Quebec League. In BC, they're working on, it. Working on plans for the. the Similar thing here, which I believe is get, get pushed back now to 2021, so it's not happening next year. No, The Whitecaps so. are looking at playing in that league, but now next year they haven't got that league as an option. What Don said, and I wrote an article about this tonight on AFTN going into more detail, so you, you can read that if you want. I'll have to read that. I haven't read that one. He said the Canadian Soccer Association needs to figure out how they're going to engage with Major League Soccer teams that investing millions and millions and millions of dollars per team, not including what they're investing in their academies and their infrastructure, to ensure that investment is going to help develop the Canadian player and help justify the investment that they're making. And then the interesting threat, I would take it as, or else that investment is going to go away. Because right now, it's not making that much sense. And... Whatever your thoughts on Don Garber and MLS are compared to CPL and all that kind of stuff, I feel he's right that the clubs are not going to spend money developing Canadian players if they're then blocked from having a mechanism to fully develop them and getting proper playing time. If the CPL are saying, we don't want involvement with MLS two teams, we don't want them in the league... The only other option is loan deals, which is not always ideal either because then they're not playing the way that the parent clubs want them to play. What is the solution? Is there a solution? I talked in the last thing about the mess with the iron front. To me, this is another mess that I don't see an easy way out of. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Michael. I, I find it very hard to uh, take seriously the words of a person who's been so detrimental to the development of Canadian players when he had an opportunity, when he had an opportunity to... Uh, Go ahead. Someone's <laughs> phone is obviously on. Is it Zach's phone? Yeah, it's Zach's phone. Was Siri on? Yes. Okay. Or Don Garber <laughs> has actually bugged the studio. He's already made sure I wasn't allowed my. He's puppet. sabotaging our bring... talk on Canadian players as I, well. Yeah, I wanted to bring my puppet into the the meeting yesterday, but I thought I'm not. I'm going to last like five seconds if I do that. Sorry, I, my 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 volume's all shut off. This is a serious matter, yeah, Zach. And is. if you don't care about Canadian players. <laughs> No, but seriously, for someone who has shown a, a huge... Sorry, what is the detrimental <laughs> to Canadian players? Okay, sorry, on you go. Uh, I'm sh- I assume you'll edit this all out, but... <laughs> no, this is gold. Um, for, for someone who showed s- such a lack of respect for the actual development of Canadian players and putting that on par with the development of other players in the league from other countries, obviously specifically the United States, I don't really care Don Garber's opinion. Okay, like I, I like I, maybe that's rude or whatever, but I really don't care. The other thing for me, Michael, that's big about this is I don't care what the MLS teams want or think is best for them in terms of where their development teams should play. The CSA has to be the ones who are are the leaders and who determine how players are going to be developed in this country. Right now, they're working at it. Okay, I know it's not as quick as everyone wants. It's not a microwave solution to, I think, use an MDS kind of kind of quote. This is not going to happen quickly. Okay, teams uh, in Toronto, teams in Montreal have the opportunity to play in those developing leagues. Yes, in Vancouver, they will have a team to play. That's where their team will play. What did they do until then? They could have stayed in the USL. They chose not. It's yeah, Vancouver's that's fault. That's Vancouver's choice. They I chose agree. not to. That, they yeah. chose to pull out because they didn't want to spend the money. Partly, and that's their prerogative. Partly but they, they can't. They, but they, they can't. didn't have a suitable stadium yeah. unless they played at no, BC no, Place. No, no, because no, the stadium okay. requirements had changed. Sure. That's why TFC okay. 2 dropped it, to League 1. But again, that's a financial so reason, Michael. Too. The Whitecaps could yeah. have dropped too eventually, but they didn't. Eventually, yeah. If they'd kept it in 2018, yeah, they could have done that yeah, yeah. so Th- this is their own fault not oh you, you, yes I, I, that, that i do agree with the, yeah. the counter argument is oh then then, then it costs them more money yeah this whole thing costs money it's, this is not rocket science oh you got 22 ish million dollars for selling one of your players who you didn't really develop but you claimed to have developed right so like I, they don't like the solutions that are there that's fine but there are solutions that are there there are things that are being worked at not at their pace that's tough I'm sorry. You can't say we're the, we. It has to be how we want it. Like they they need to they need to be a part of the process in Canada, doing what's best for Canadian players on the whole, not just for them and their pocketbook. Is the danger though, which is obviously the threat that Garber's making there? Then then they'll stop. They'll, then fine. They'll they'll, they'll, they'll hey, stop doing their no, academies. No but problem. Is that, how bad a thing is that? Because right now you've got the Whitecaps across the country. If they pulled all their academies, surely the CPL teams would then pick all these players up. But are the CPL... Because I was led to believe the CPL aren't that high on the CPL clubs having their own academies. 
I don't think the approach of the CPL is going to be have, having academies right now. Instead, they, they want to do, I know, I, in this part of the country, I know they want to do the opposite of what the Whitecaps have done in terms of coming in and saying, we're the Whitecaps. You have to do things the way we want. You have to be a part of what we're doing. Get in line with us. What the CPL approach is and their club's approach has been is we want to work with the people who are already developing players and help them be better at that. We want to partner with them. We want them to love our club and to want their players to grow up and to play for our club. They want to work with what's existing and and work, work, work to make it better, not be the ones uh, overlording everything over the other people, which is what the oh, Whitecaps yeah. do in it's, so it, many ways. It's and they a have good, a bad it, reputation in it, the local soccer. It, totally, and, and it's a good strategy too, business side, because they don't have to. They, they don't, don't have, have to invest for the themselves exactly. Yes. So it does make sense. I know Zach's answer to this because we've talked about it. How do you feel, Steve? Should MLS two clubs be allowed or afforded the chance to be in the CPL? Not at this point. No, um, I, I, I'm on the side. I, I basically have a like. I feel like they'll overrun what the CPL is trying to do. I do think that if, and especially if the CPL and the CSA don't want MLS two teams, they should be allowed to go to another league. But again, I don't think they'll. I don't think the Whitecaps want to do that. Now, if there is a BC one or League One or whatever, BC League One, then I think the Whitecaps, that would be a good place for them to go to That's and, where and develop. That's they yeah. by so, all, all accounts. So, but, but because they're looking at the 19 to 20th, like, I think right now, I don't know what the result was today, but the, the development team went down to Mexico this week. Mm-hmm. Yep. They drew both times, 2-2 and then uh, nil-nil. Um, I don't know what the result again today. I could check oh, later. Yeah, no, but never checked today. Um, but, but that's... That's a decent results in Mexico against the, uh, their development team. So, th- th- they do need a place to play, yeah, but I don't think CPL more games like that. Yes, I, the I, I, they need a league. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think CPL is the right place for them to be in there. No, good answer, Steve. If anything, it could be detrimental. I, I didn't do it just for I know, you. I know, yeah. I know. I'm just saying, I concur. It yeah. could also set back the CPL if those teams were way above the other teams. But I think, as we saw from things like Voyager's Cup games and some other games, that's not a guarantee either. And it's not it a might good, be embarrassing for MLS teams if they're then down the yeah. bottom of the CPL. And, and the thing is, it's not good. It's not good optics for them too. No. But well, if they have an yes, MLS team totally. in there, the yeah. other thing as well, and this, this is the problem. And I put this in my article tonight. The problem with the USL MLS affiliation, it was great for the USL initially because it it let them see off NASL, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, we're the second tier. Bye bye. We've got this. But they quickly then outgrew that. And the problem you had right from the very start is you had teams like the Galaxy, Portland, Seattle, who it was all about development. They didn't really care. There was no consistency of players one week to the next. You had the likes of Real Monarchs and New York Red Bulls who took it seriously. And this year, New York Red Bulls, who they're calling themselves New York Red Bull Reserves now, not New York Red Bulls 2, they're top of the, the Eastern Conference. So they take it seriously. Real Monarchs took it seriously. The Whitecaps did. Alan Koch wanted to win. And you saw the difference he made from year one of having all these players, young players. And we'll talk a little bit about this. It reminds me a bit of Pacific FC. This year, they've got all these young players and they kind of find their feet learning the ropes together. And then year two, Whitecaps two hit the ground running because these players had played together. Alan had some time under his belt and went forward with it. I can see Pacific FC doing that next mm-hmm. season, and that's a good way forward. But from a USL perspective, it's not ideal no. because you've got teams that want to win Sacramento, and then they're playing these teams that you don't know who you're playing 
you can't prepare for them because you have no idea who they're playing against. And they can't prepare well. And that would be the problem with MLS two teams and CPL. So just to give you an update, uh, third game this week because they played Monday, Thursday, and then today, um, they lost to Tigres uh, 1-0. Well, actually, this is how many result? how many chances did Berkshire? <laughs> I don't know. No, Berkshire wasn't on that show. Um, oh man! But, I mean, the thing is, the MLS Canadian players, the MLS Academy players, they can be forgotten about in all this. And right now, we've lost so many players over the years. George McColumbwa was the nineteenth homegrown player the Whitecaps had signed in the MLS era. You can count on one hand how many of those actually got meaningful minutes and made any impact on the first team. How how do you change it? Playing in a league, no, even I'm, like okay, a, I'm, I'm, BC League One, is not going to get just, these players at MLS level. Just off the top of my head, thinking about some of those players, I think a better attitude would be number one, based on what we've heard from behind the scenes. Especially from the previous players. I'm not talking about any current players right yeah. now. Previous players, a better attitude oh, okay. would be nice. And I, and they have developed professional players. There are a lot yeah. of professional players that come from an academy yeah. and gone to Europe. Well, this then st- this see this was a discussion I had with someone this week. You say that, and I say that, oh, yeah, yeah. and they're like, "Well, they're playing in fourth tier Germany. Is that really developing a professional player?" Well, he's still a professional player, yeah. and folk dismiss the quality. I think of like the third, fourth tier in Europe. Yeah. I'm not going to discount the, the the MLS club's contribution to player development in Canada. I'm not saying it, it's in, insignificant at all. However, if Garber and his minions want to threaten the removal of those things, then the Canadian system will have to develop or will have to augment their plan and change as well. So they can threaten all they want. They can do all they want. Canada needs to do what's best for Canada and not worry about what MLS wants. For me, right now, at this point, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the next few years, but right now, the developmental the development of Canadian players is at its all-time best. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about white caps. I'm talking about developmental yeah. Canadian players. Look at the national team. You got Jonathan David, who we'll talk about, I guess, in a, in a bit. He, the, I think Manuel uh, tweeted out uh, during the time he wasn't being invited um, that uh, he scored a bunch of goals and then his value went from like up to like 15, 17 oh, yeah, million. Right. 17. Massive, massive 17 million. Yeah, it, it's a big increase. So, uh, and also that's obviously that's like through, you know, 17 the, million USD, I think. Yeah, it's data. It's basically based on data and everything. It's not, not nobody's actually paying 17 million at yeah. this point right now. But, but that, we didn't have that a long time ago. We got two players now that are, double-digit million-dollar players in Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. So I'm sorry. I disagree with uh, Garber when he says the Canadian Canadian players aren't developing. I think they are developing. It's just not for the Whitecaps right now. They're they're not getting the best results for themselves, but other places around Canada, players are developing. Well, that gets us nicely then on to the CPL. And for me, the quality in the CPL this year, it's been better than... I expected it to be. Oh, I say tenfold better than what I expected because I had low expectations. I would say in parts good. it has. Good way me. to go into life, low expectations. Yeah, I, you're only happy then. Yeah. That's what I tell my wife. That's why she married me. I also like to refer to her as, as my first wife just to kind of keep her on her toes. But the CPL, you've got teams like Forge and Cavalry, they're the class act. They're running away with it. There, there's, there's no... No doubt in that at all. They're going to be competing in the championship. 
they've been the best two teams. They approach things slightly different from some of the other teams. But then you've got teams like Valor, Halifax, that are simply not competitive with them at all. Valor are an absolute shambles at, at times this year. But they, they won, won today. this weekend. Today, 4 yeah, well, it was today. Yeah, yeah, today. <laughs> Yesterday. Defensively, they're so It's like, after midnight, Monday. Oh, right, ah. sorry. Sunday, they won on Sunday. Yeah, so they won on Sunday. I, I could even put York and Pacific in, in the strugglers, but they have had horrendous injuries, especially Yeah, Pacific. but the thing is, the, 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 it, you're, you're right. It's the, the top two teams are, are the class, but then five through uh, seven, yeah, the seven, five through seven, Oh, three through seven. Sorry, three through seven. They're basically anybody can win those games, and that kind yeah. of does make it exciting that yeah. you don't know who's going to win. And but there I'm pretty sure times... it's not what the CPL wanted. Yeah, like but... they didn't want two teams running away with it, and then basically meaningless games. But there are two. Te- there are teams like those three through seven that have taken points off Cavalry and Forge yep. during the yeah. year too. So there's you know they're, they've they've been able to yeah, spoil but then like games. Norwich took points off Man City at the weekend. Things that, like and that, that might decide the title in that league. <laughs> Yeah, the way it is, it possibly could. One loss and that's it. Pacific, as we talked about, they're banking on the the long-term payoff. And I like that approach. I think it's working. We talked in the last part a lot about the business side of the game. Teams losing money, etc., etc. Everyone's talking about CPL expansion. And I want it. I feel the league has to be way bigger than, than what we've got. Sometimes, though, I feel that us as football fans, we maybe want to run a little bit before we walk. Are we pushing for this expansion too quickly? Just because we want to see these extra teams and we want to see other bits of the country done. There's so much they need to sort schedule-wise and attendances have been pretty woeful. It might help with it might help with uh, both of those. For example, say if, hopefully helps say, the schedule. Schedule wise, if you have even teams, it definitely helps with that. Yeah. Um, attendance wise, if you get more teams in there, you kind of build more close rivals, and they're able to travel to other games. So you get you know, the teams will get yeah, traveling. Michael, the more teams you add to the league, the better it gets for everyone. Michael, oh, of on. course, I should listen to Dawn. But yeah. but I think I think you need you. But they, it seems like they're doing it in stages, and that's yeah. a good thing. They're not throwing everybody out at once. Uh, the unfortunate thing when it comes to Canadian Premier League expansion is it feels like there might not be a new team in twenty twenty. Really. I, I mean, there's going to be at least one to try yeah, to level hof- it up. Hopefully, there'll be at least I, one. Are we but... talking Quebec in 2021? Uh, I mean, there's multiple places who want yeah. to be in in 2021. I know Saskatchewan's pretty, whether it's Saskatoon or Regina. It'll be Saskatoon can, initially. Saskatoon. Let me just put it they're, this They're way. aiming for 2021. There's, see, there's... My understanding is uh, that there are a lot of... The public optics of some of these things don't necessarily equate to what's going on behind the scenes you see this where you know uh what's his face tweeted out stuff that is just Placity? yeah oh, oh, about the yeah. team in language it's, for it's not a, it's not a done deal like multiple like, when that tweet went out i got all these messages people were like what's going on and, what, uh, and i was just like so people talk to me who are involved in multiple different things and they're all like this is not true right and that was even some, after even after i tweeted out that it wasn't true some journalists who have written that that is indeed happening yeah Got messages oh, yeah. saying, "What are you doing? What you do, where is this information coming from?" And they're like, "It's a tweet not, from the, from yeah. this person who's been told true things in the past, and this is it's not true." Is there going to be a, a Fraser Valley team, uh, a Fraser Valley team in in Langley one day? Yeah, quite possibly. But that's been 
a part of the possibilities for what four years, three, four years. Nothing signed and delivered yet. Yeah, it's not. It's not done. But but yeah. So you have you have this area. You have Saskatchewan. You have Quebec. and there, and they're, and there are they're the areas that need to do it. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule because I've been looking at Pacific schedule. I'm going to go over to the last two home games. Oh, I'm they've hoping got, to make the last one. They've got four games in October. The first three of those are Wednesday night games. Yeah. The first one, Halifax are going to Victoria. The second one, they're going to Halifax. That is ridiculous. On a Wednesday night where the teams are struggling to draw crowds anyway. It, I mean that makes no sense to have three of your last four games on a Wednesday and just one on a Saturday you're not going to get fans in I don't want to beat this to death either I've talked about it before not having them enough on TV kills attendances at games people need to see the product a word I hate using but in this case we'll go with it they need to see, see the it game on TV to need, yeah. Yeah. they need to go and see what they're going to go and watch they need to know the players mm-hmm. we know the players some of them Really well. Yeah, so. some of them really, really well. We also know some of them are kind of using CPL as a stepping stone. They don't even want to be in the CPL. They want to be what they see as a higher level. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. No. They might not get the move that they want. But I, I don't know. There's just uh, there's a lot that needs to get done. I would like an eighth team to bounce yes. it up next oh, year. Oh, absolutely. But not just for the sake of it. They need to just work and get it right. So I, when all these teams come in in 2021, yeah. it's right. It, yeah. uh, the dream scenario would, for that eighth team would be if the whoever owns Ottawa realizes that CPL might yeah. be in their best interest. Well, again, that would be the dream scenario. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that is the that is one of the teams that could come. The that could be the one because they're already established and ready to go. But, but the problem, but the problem in Ottawa is they're they're just the relationship is so. Dysfunctional between them and the league, and and yeah. that's where CSA needs yep. to come in. And I agree, I agree, and and that's I think what something's going to happen because yeah. again, Ottawa just feels like, hey, we'll just say it publicly, and therefore it's truth. Again, they're just trying to put out like, oh, we're back in this league next year. They don't have sanctioning yet, as far as I understand it. They don't, ha- they're not sanctioned to do that. They've been told they're not allowed to get sanctioning, and yet they're still, they're still saying, no, 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 we're doing it. Like th- that's a problem. Like and so I think they re- like I did last year. I think they need to be put in their place. And whether that's that they didn't wh- work, whether that's no. they're in the CPL or they're just not sanctioned to play football anywhere. And there are, I have heard, uh, I don't know all the details on this, um, but I have heard that there are potentially other groups in Ottawa that would be willing yeah. to, to have a Canadian that's the Premier League team. that's going around, right? So, which yeah. I, I'd be okay my, with my dream scenario would be Stew the Starfish FC. There you go. You love that guy. I love him. His little cowboy hat. I want to have his little starfish. I was going to say I want to be inside his little starfish, but that takes it to a whole different level. Let's finish on some positive news. We've got 30 seconds. Let's talk about Canada winning two games. (laughs) Now, Canada beat Cuba 6-0 in Toronto in front of a very sparse crowd. Like 10,000, was it? Sparse. Sparse. For but, a big okay, CFL okay. stadium like that, okay, but that here, was not a good yeah, crowd to get. In. Here's the thing, though. In Canada, we need to stop. I know. We need to stop complaining it, about, about about each other. Man, we, it was awful, yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> I, no, I didn't engage. I just heard about it. And I was just like, I'm I not I read some of it and I was like, I can't read this. East v. West. It's one of the most boring yeah, things in Canadian yeah. football. Well, uh, when it comes to club teams, no problem. Oh, when yeah. it comes to the national team, yeah. just stop, stop seeing it, it, who, It's pointless. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows 
Vancouver's way better. Shut, sh- get off Twitter. Shut up. Spend some money and go to the game. Fly to the game. Like that, you would do everyone so much better if you did that. I'm toying with going through for the US game. I, uh, good. Because, one, one of my good friends will be there. Partly because we've cancelled. I haven't up. told uh, Steve. I think knows. I, I haven't told you. I've cancelled my trip to the Maritimes because Caitlin's not feeling the best. Oh. So we've got all this money in a WestJet travel bank that I need to spend. So I'm well, thinking no, about going to that. Just one. The CPL championship. Oh, I'm going at that as well. Oh, yeah. okay. Possibly both legs. We'll see. But yeah, let, let's just finish quickly on on those. What what did you make of the two games? It was an an impressive hammering in the first one. More difficult than I think a lot of people expected in yeah. the second leg. It is always difficult away from home. But as you always say, Michael, the re- they got the result. They got the result. Fonzie against a, against a team that didn't have a lot of players left. Yeah, they some defected. Yeah. Great, great strike by Fonzie. Yeah. Uh, Danielle was gutted to get. That. Yeah, I'm looking forward to asking him about that. Uh, forget about forget about the. That Cuba, was ridiculous. For, yeah, it was ridiculous. Forget about the Cuba game. It's the fact that he can't play in the first game yeah. against the Americans. That's a I problem. I don't know if they can appeal or what or. Uh, I haven't. I, I don't know. I don't know because that that was a stupid sending off. It was ridiculous. Um, I the, I was working. I just got home and I tweeted this out. Literally, I had just put up the one soccer stream. The tackle had just happened, and then I saw the referee pulling his card out, and I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah. So that's me and my jinx. No, um, the there were some nice goals in the first leg. I know yeah. you can talk about the opponent or whatever, but there no, was, they were that, well that, taken. The, the jo- you still have to beat who's in front of the you. The Jonathan David goal in that game—that well, was the first or the second. I think it was second. the second. Yeah, it was. That was. Yeah, that I know. I know people were like, "Oh, it's Cuba," and. Whatever, but it, like, we, we've got so much well, exciting talent. We yeah. talked about David there, and it's like no one. No. Uh, interesting. He had a chat this week, I think, with a French paper. Maybe it was a Belgian, Belgian paper, but might have been in French. I don't know. Saying that all the MLS teams had made bids for him, and oh, yeah. basically, Carl Robinson was like acting like a dog with a bone. But yeah, he, no. he chose his agent. Said no. Yeah, smart. Steer clear. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I knew the, the, Vancouver was definitely interested. They tr- tried to get him here. Uh, the one thing about the about the quality of some of their goals, like when when one of these big world stars scores a goal in their league, and it's against like the worst team in the league, uh, no one's like, oh, that's the that's the worst team in in the Spanish in La Liga. Yeah. You know, they just they the the thing goes out around the world, and people yeah. are like, ah, oh. and that that John and David goal. Be the Whitecaps this year? They don't see that. We'll end it there. <laughs> We'll be back with the final part of tonight's show after this. This is Atiba Hutchinson, and you're listening to the AFTN Show. Welcome back. 
to the smooth sound of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Tell us what that was. This feels like somewhere by Childish Gambino. He played uh, he's Donald Glover, actually, his Lando, actor name. Lando Calrissian. Yeah. The was, new Lando Calrissian. Yeah, in the solo movie. And uh, his Childish Gambino is his rapper name. That he oh, got from that. Remember that Wu Tang? Uh, oh yeah. Site we used that one uh-huh. time for Wu Tang's giving might come back this year. Yes, yeah, Steve. Oh. What's your rapper name again? I can't remember now. We'll have to look that up. We'll wait till Wu Tang's giving comes up. I like to call him the bri- the Brown Panther. If you want to, that's mm. fine. I don't mind that. Panther time. A lot of people thought my last name was Panther. Mm. It's, it's better than Panda. Yeah, I agree. Oh yeah, you and your Panda. <laughs> yeah, I like pandas. They're yeah, cute. yeah, yeah. Okay, let's not. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Now it's everyone's favourite time of the show. If you're a new listener, you're in for a treat. It's wavelength time. What is wavelength time, all you new students say, I hear? It's going to be what you're talking about. As you look up at your Kurt Cobain poster, you play with your little Tamagotchi, (laughs) and... You finish your crocheting. Is this you, a song from the nineties or what? Seriously, like you're like you mentioned last week, you had no idea who was playing in the celebrity game. Yeah, that tells you that why you don't have any idea. Those uh, little yeah, because the pop the, culture references I, there. Steve was down there. He was talking to to someone who was going to be in the show, but Steve never sent me the audio. No, we. I, I felt like it was too much at this point, oh. especially with the Don okay. Garber. So we'll maybe save it for an off off thing. Who was but, it? Are you? It yeah. was Adam Seckman. He plays a character on. Uh, What's the show Legends called? Legends of Tomorrow. Le- Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of oh. Tomorrow. <laughs> the WE show, yeah. So I, CW. <laughs> there was one person I thought I might speak to, which was Carl from The Walking Dead, Chandler Riggs. But the, the White Cats girl was like, oh, just just grab whoever it is that, that you want. Just yell their name and they'll come over. I didn't have a clue what he looked like. So Yeah, he's obviously grown up, right, quite a bit. Yeah. So he probably don't recognize so I, I ended up speaking to Davide Cumiento nice. and Johnny Salentic. Nice. We've got them coming up, actually, after Wavelength. But let's get back to Wavelength. Wavelength is the part of the show where we play a song, a proper song, about football. And we're going back to a group that we featured a lot earlier on in this segment. I actually thought I'd played this song, and when I was checking, I hadn't. It's from their 1987 album, It's Like Everything Else. Some folk might say it sounds like everything else that they've done. This is I Ludicrous. Three English football grounds. Park, 
home of the trotters. The ground stands surrounded by industrial dereliction, for Bolton is feeling the pinch. Still, the fans have kept their sense of humour, although recently upset by relegation. Nearest station is Trinity Streets, £2.50 to get in, and the beer is good. Craven Cottage. In one corner stands the cottage, a unique, a reminder of an earlier age, an age before the violence. Before the air was full of violos. Opposite sits the brash newsstands, overlooking the Thames, smug, expensive, empty. There's an electronic scoreboard to gaze at when the play gets dull, which is an often for Fulham play an attractive brand of football. Four pound to get in. And the beer is great. Three English football grounds. High ludicrous there with three English football grounds, which obviously is from a while ago. You can't get beer for that price or into football grounds for that price. And the football grounds don't exist anymore. <laughs> but still, it was fun. I enjoy a little bit of history, as you know, from listening to our 1979 segments all year oh, long. Good job last week. I really enjoyed putting that together yeah. last week. I, like, like I keep telling you, every time you do a solo show, I'm like, why do you need Steve and I? I, I need Steve to push the buttons. <laughs> And I need you for your laugh. <laughs> so as I mentioned before, Wavelength there, I had a chance to speak to Whitecaps legend, stroke alumni, Davide Cumiento. Expansion legend. Expansion legend. 
And Johnny Solentic, who played for the White Cats in their pre-MLS days. He played for St. Pauli for a little bit. Johnny? Yeah. Oh, I did not know mm-hmm. that. He's the head coach of Croatia SC, VMSL champions last year. And Johnny and Davide are going to be working together on a new project, mm-hmm. football-related. And we got a chance to speak to him a little bit about that yesterday. Here's what they had to tell us. Me and Johnny Sulentic are opening a facility in Poco in two, three weeks for all for the kids, for technical stuff, obviously football, soccer. So we're really excited for that to teach the kids a little more skill. I think we can need that here. And yeah, that's uh, great news for us. Do you follow the White Caps at all? Do you see what's happening day to day? Yeah, yeah, I, have to, I mean. Uh, you shouldn't ask this question to me. I'm the wrong guy. I'm too honest for this. Excited for some young talent to come through. There's a lot of good young talent that needs a little bump and push through to the to the first team. Hopefully sooner than later. But it has to be a little disheartening to see where the franchise has gone since you guys were playing for them. Yes, but that's the the, the name of uh, of the game. You know, it's highs and lows, and you you. Uh, you got to work harder when you're doing well, and now it's in a tough uh, situation. But they got to come up with a game plan to uh, change the situation. What do you guys think? We've been debating all year whether the 2011 team would beat this team. Great question. I think we would be a lot more exciting to watch for the people, and uh, our budget, or I mean budget in the sense we didn't. The club didn't spend so much money for the players that are around here. So with what we have at this time and a lot of players with no experience from university, we did absolutely the best we could, even if the numbers end of the season were not right because we didn't have the right experience. But the mix of, uh, of players and, and the group that we had, I think was a lot more fun to watch. So we saw you out there, you've still got the skills. Are you going to sign them up for Croatia? Uh, yes. We still have to talk about contract. I don't play for We're free. We're in negotiations right now. <laughs> no, I, I mean... Can I say I, just one thing? Uh, if he does decide to, I think we'll, we'll, we'll get a lot of fans out. Because it, it's actually a treat to uh, watch Davide play. You well, know? your team plays some nice stuff. Thank I, you. So, like last Thought year, that. that was a great championship to win. Yes, and long doing, and we want to do it also winning and playing a certain style, and we yeah. lucked out and we were managed to uh, to do that, and it's even more exciting this year because we got an even stronger uh, team right now. He's a great coach. I mean, I, I worked a little bit. He, he brought me into a club, uh, and we worked together, and uh, I mean, the kids play really good football compared to... A lot maybe of other teams have different style, but they always play ball on the ground, try to play, and they're doing a great job. So, Last thing for me, what brought you back to Vancouver? Of all the places you could have settled, what brought you back we have to We have to ask these questions, Carl Robinson. We have to ask these questions, Carl Robinson. He doesn't talk to us anymore. We haven't seen him. Have you seen him? <laughs> no, not anymore. I'm still waiting for his answer in 2017 when I came in I for the two weeks training. So I just, I, just wrote, I just spoke with Freddie, and he's like... That was incredible that they didn't take you back. And I was like, I was just disappointed because I was waiting with my luggages in Switzerland, with the kids, with the wife. So is it going to happen or no? And I waited till, I remember beginning of the, before the preseason 2018, you were, you asked him a question and he was like, yeah. He deflected. He deflected, exactly. So this is my, it's, that, that was the initial decision to come back and then it didn't happen and I met Johnny and then now things happen for a reason in life. So 
I'm excited for this new stuff. You guys gotta come check us out. We got our indoor facility opening up and we'll, we'll uh, you can find us on all the social media and it's gonna be a, a massive football culture that we're gonna build. We'll have a little cafe bar. Well, it's gonna be a place to come to train and talk soccer and socialize. And it's our dream coming true because it's our, our baby that we can do things the way we visualize it. You're playing CCB on Friday, aren't you? Yeah. I'm coming at that, so I'll see yeah. you there. There you go. And if you get along to CCB and Croatia on Friday at Burnaby Lake, you could see Davide Kumiento playing for Croatia SC. That'd be a, a great signing. And of course, he is joking. VMSL doesn't pay players to play. <laughs> That was just a little bit of joke before everyone gets all upset. I'm looking at you, guy that runs the FVSL <laughs> in the Fraser Valley. But yeah, that that was a Davide and Johnny then. We'll talk a bit more, we'll write about it on AFTN, about the new project that they're doing in Poco. Sounds like a great thing and it's great to see Davide coming back. His wife's from here, yep. coming back to Vancouver and just embracing the, the local football scene. It sounds like a great thing for football fans. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to catch up with them. It was myself and Harjit Jahal as well that was asking the questions there. But now it's time for BC's Soccer Web Headlines. BC's Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. Your one-stop site for local, national and international news, stories, features, links, everything you could want and shake your maracas at. Make it part of your daily routine, morning, noon and night. Check out bcsoccerweb.com What's been catching your lazy eye this week, Steve? I'm awake, I'm awake this week. Okay, so um, MLS expansion news, uh, obviously Don Garber talked about it earlier. He denied uh, it. Yeah, he denied it. Well, no, he said it rumoured or whatever. Yeah. He didn't he could confirm it. Uh, but they are, according to the Sacramento Bee, uh, the, the Major League Soccer and Sacramento representatives have... Agreed to a, like a framework deal that hasn't been official uh, for an expansion team to join in 2022 um, to become the 29th team in MLS. It's uh, funded by billionaire Ron Burkle, there, Matt Alvarez, and Kevin Eagle. They're they're the ownership group. The group is uh, attempting to buy 31 acres of land for the 250 million dollar stadium, and they'll announce that as when the expansion is made official. So your guys' thoughts on Sacramento joining the team? Long overdue. Yeah. Whatever the year the WFC2 started, uh, a few of us went down for the game, and we met like some of their people were excited to see away fans, I guess. And uh, they were just telling us about all everything. They're like, as soon as we get in, like there's 200, like this was a long time ago. So these numbers are probably changed, but they're like, we have $250 million to invest in the team and the stadium aside from the expansion fee, all ready to go. Like they, and they, cause they have, they had a, a good, quality like supporter culture already in the in the usl yeah and they were they were just like chomping at the bit so i, I, I wonder I if remember it's, the lone so, sacramento guy coming up waving a flag so they have 250 million back then and yeah. they invested it in that you know that term thing and they, they, uh, travel. Yeah. 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 Oh, they probably have quite Much a bit travel. extra money now yeah, yeah. yeah. well i don't pay a lot of interest my wife says that but no good good for sacramento and i'm pleased for our good friend navid masinchi who's down there right so you have a, another MLS team to support. Qual- quality fellow. The USSF is uh, uh, being sued again. Uh, there's a fa- uh, f- what is a, it this week? A promoter has filed a federal antitrust lawsuit against them, 
um, for the refusal to sanction international league matches in the United States. It's a relevant sports. It's a company owned by Miami Dolphins of the NFL uh, owner, Stephen Ross. Relevant. Um, And they're being represented by Jeffrey Kessler, who is the lawyer retained by the women's uh, national team, uh, U.S. women's national team. They're basically oh, the U- he likes fighting, losing battles. Yeah, he? the federation has refused to sanction a league match between Ecuador's Barcelona and Guaquil, uh on May fifth in Miami. That's the latest one, but there's also been the Sp- Spanish. They've one. tried to, yeah, no, it's uh, it says Ecuador's. No, but the other one was La Liga. Yeah, yeah. The, the, well, yeah, I was going to mention that. Uh, they were tr- they were also trying to do that one, the Barcelona, I think, Girona, uh, and then they also. Attempted to uh, do the second leg of Copa Libertadores. Remember, there was violence back oh, then. Oh yeah. So yeah. they tried to do it, but then USSF refused to even discuss the possibility. The USSF has cited uh, an October 26 announcement, uh, I think, of the year before by FIFA that it said its ruling emphasized that the sporting principle that the official league matches must be played within the territory of the respective member association. So we'll see, and the the. The people that are suing are saying this boycott has deprived fans of international soccer in the U.S. and an opportunity to attend official season international soccer events in the U.S. and is a blatant antitrust violation. Yeah, I They've mean, also the, sorry, literally two people disappointed that yeah, they can't yeah. see Ecuadorian football. <laughs> Also, they've also named uh, FIFA and some as non-party co-conspirators. Uh, Sweet. Relevant. Some. Relevant has uh, th- did also mention that they has paid twenty point five million to the USSF to sanction exhibition games in the US from twenty thirteen to twenty eighteen, anticipate paying two point four million this year for those kind of games. Yeah, I mean, exhibition. If they, if they take money from some, I'd be happy with that. But no, in all honesty, the the joking aside, I I yeah, I think league games should be played in the country. Yep. I know, like for example, Syria used to do like their Super Cup in New York or whatever. That's different. It's not. A, it's not a league match. It doesn't give a unfair advantage. It doesn't mess up travel for fans all, or supporters and all that kind of stuff. Um, but league matches, I think it makes sense that they need to be in yeah, the country. 100%. Like, even if someone said to me, East Fife, we're going to be playing Strandrar in Vancouver. <laughs> well, okay, that would be a different. <laughs> but anything else, I would be totally against it. It's, it's so stupid. Yeah. Is there really that many people want to see it? I know it's been facetious there, but is there really that many Ecuadorian fans that want to see a game in Miami? Maybe there's, there's they tricked, a lot of Ecuadorian people in they, Miami. Maybe they thought they trick people and say it's Barcelona. Yeah, that would be the thing. It's like, come to the Barcelona game today. Oh, hell yeah. Sitting there with his messy top on because he spilt ketchup down it probably in nachos because that's all they eat down there. What? Yeah, anyway. So um, some big news uh, in uh, policing circles in the in Europe. Uh, two uh, people were arrested in transfer fraud raids in Belgium, Monaco, and London. There were several raids in those cities. Like I said, two people were arrested, including an agent um, and uh, an assistant for the agent. Basically, it's all linked to the transfer of Serbian striker Alexander Mitrovic from Anderlecht to Newcastle United. The two men being held are being indicted for mo- money laundering, forgery and use of forgery, private corruption and criminal conspiracy. They're looking to money laundering related includes the Mitrovic's 18.5 million euro move from Anderlecht to St. James Park in 2015. And the inquiry is separate from the, the football gate scandal, which has resulted in 20 suspects being charged since October 2018. So this is a different one completely. That's, that had agents, referees and club officials um, um, in an investigation for fraud and match fixing. 
The player agent is rumored to be Christoph Enrote and his brother-in-law. Uh, no, he's not because I just oh. copy and pasted that. Um, and his associate, Christopher Cheneau, uh, are rumored to be the men in charge. They've been agents for currently a couple, th- three Real Madrid players, for example, the- uh, Cotoir, uh, Yannick uh, Carrasco, and Kevin Morales. So three players there. You guys just uh, – no, nothing? Okay, next no. question. <laughs> it, it's, it's sad. It's, uh, some new good news from Europe uh, for Canadians. Uh, Jordan Hutema, you were talking about Jonathan David before. Uh, she's off to a hot start with a Paris Saint-Germain. She scored twice in stoppage time. Of course, they were already up 5-0. Yeah. Uh, they blanked Portugal's SC Braga, their Portugal's champion, SC Braga, <laughs> in the first leg of the Champions League round of 32 tie. Um, came on as a sub in 62nd minute, but scored in the 93rd and 95th. She also this week scored twice for Paris Saint-Germain as they beat Roma yeah. in a penalty shootout as well. Man, she's hot right now. Yeah. This one uh, still hasn't ended yet. We talked about that, I think, back in June. Uh, CAF uh, set to hear oh, yeah, the, the walkout. Game. Yeah, the, long, the never-ending final. Right. Um, they're basically... They, on Sunday today, I, I tried to look to see what was going on. They, I think they still just heard the hearing study. They didn't actually decide on anything. The appeals committee for the Confederation of African Football were to sit to consider the fate of Moroccan's club side, uh, Wyatt Casablanca. It's basically all about them walking out. And because they walked out, they were the top club was a, the title was awarded to the Tunisian club, uh, Espernese, on August 7th. Uh, because they abandoned the game. If they hadn't abandoned the game, then something else might have happened. But because they abandoned the game, it was basically null and void at that point. Wyatt uh, submitted a 95-page document <laughs> to, for the consideration. Uh, and if they lose that, they still can uh, appeal that to the Court of Operation of Sport. What this has changed is now any future Champions League final will be now played as a one-game one fixture at a neutral venue so mm. there won't be any more two leg ventures at each each team's hmm. site. Yeah. I I think final should be anyway. I know obviously we've got the Canadian Championship final coming up and it's over two legs. Playing that at a neutral venue would be a little bit difficult but yeah. This well, shouldn't drag on as long it, as this. It's well, ridiculous. But at least there's precedent for it like in the the pigskin here, right? Yeah. Yeah, the final. Uh, well, that, that they they have to do that because it's such a big thing that they there's no way they can schedule all that stuff in the f- one week. But, to but go hopefully the Canadian Premier League grows. I'm going to go to the 2020 Super Bowl. Forty ers back in it. Um the the one thing is is about that last story is that they haven't paid out the uh you know the oh, the, well, prize the prize money they haven't paid it out so they probably oh. haven't invested in AFTN uh, financial. Yep. <laughs> I do think I can afford trips to the Maritimes and not go. Just before we wrap up tonight's show, just got some tweets we want to get through. Whitecap Scarf, he was busy tonight. He's asked us a few questions. Why is Rickett starting? Was one of his questions. He is going to be here next year, probably. Why does MDS need to evaluate him so much? Shouldn't Last be getting more minutes? I would like Lass. to see Last back next year if we could carry him on the cheap because his salary is very low. Yeah, that's fine about Last. But Scarf, you have not been listening to MDS. This is not about evaluating. This is about winning. He did for also, better or for he worse. He did also mention about evaluating, and he he did kind of mention Chiri knows and... That's fine, you can, the but he, uh, I, there's no guarantee that Ricketts is going to no. be on the team next year. I think year. he has to earn a spot next yeah. year, because he's getting ha- older. Has he? I don't know that he has. Okay. 
Fair. I don't think anybody Did has. Did you not see that miss yesterday? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, White Scarf also the, says... The one thing about the... Sorry, I want to get the Ricketts mess, miss. Um, uh, if people said, oh, if Montero was there, he would have finished that. I'm not sure if Montero would have gotten there to that spot right. even. Yeah, so, so I don't yeah. know that. Scarf also asks us, what's the deal with RDS? Why isn't he getting any playing time? He's not going to be here next year. Yeah, that, I think that, that's, that, that's the one where they don't have to evaluate. Yeah. If um, he's here next year, Michael will get a neck tat. Yeah, let, let's go with that. I will. <laughs> we'll be fighting crimes. We'll be the neckies. So if Ardeus is in Vancouver G- G- after January. <laughs> nope, when the season starts, <laughs> as long as it's not a big delay <laughs> till, say, November. But when the season starts, if Ardeus is here, I will get a neck tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to stick by that. Yeah, okay. I'm just gonna get the word neck tattooed somewhere on me that you can't see it. But, um, okay, and if he's gone, you'll get a tattoo. Of... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, Greg Petrie, our dumb world, wouldn't be a show if we didn't read a tweet from Greg. One of our best supporters. Supporters always. I saw you getting criticised on the forum for <laughs> for saying supporters always and then not going to games anymore. <laughs> Anyway, Greg Petrie says, in their desperate attempts to lure back lapsed season ticket holders, the front office has let every club know they're about to do every club that they're about to do business with know that they yeah. have money to spend and they have to spend it. Congrats on making another blundering mistake. Yep, yeah, watch this, this transfer rates go sky high. Totally. Johnny Russell's now going to cost a fortune. I think people don't understand the supporters always things. And there's an article f- written by Steve who came up Slamo who came up with it. It's on our website. Feel free to read that. You're still in the fisting, though, right? Anyway, that is it for tonight's show. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me at Whitecaps Beat on Twitter. And what I learned was uh, that Siri is very much in Garber's pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, For me, it's at Zachary AM on Twitter. And I'm a part of the movement Curve Collective. And something I learned uh, this week is that uh, we're going to have an AFTN trip to Caldas Lake next summer. Yes, that'll be fun. I've never been. I don't even really know where it is. I just hear everyone talking about it. Well, we'll show you. Okay. CITR Radio are actually... Oh, no, they're not. That was a different email. <laughs> you read those? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a secret garden tea shop. That's, <laughs> that's doing something at Cultist instead. It's a, high, it's a high tea that they're doing. Ah... <laughs> uh, I got a bit confused there. I learned I should read my emails a little bit more carefully. Um, hopefully, Zach also learned how to turn his phone off and switch Surrey off during live broadcasts. But I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada, on Instagram at AFT in Soccer, in the Secret Garden having a delicious high tea. We go for my wife's birthday sometimes for our anniversary. Christmas Eve one's also highly recommended. They're in Kerrisdale. Good value for money. We'll be back next week with some more nonsense. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care and on the high tea. Haiku? What's a haiku? It's a cow and bricks. We're still in air. Steve's still pushing the buttons. Siri, how do you get Steve to play the right songs? Going to your first match is an experience you never forget.
the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.